All right, everybody, welcome to the second episode of the Adhocracy Podcast. This weekend, I spoke with Mr. Joel Vugdeveen about tattoos, something that has had a big impact on his life and he's had a lot of experience with, and I just wanted to pick his brain on it. So I hope you enjoy. Okay, so thank you for joining me. Um, another edition of the Adhocracy Podcast. Got Joel Vugdeveen on here. Um, really excited to talk to you about tattoos because this has been a big part of your life uh, for a long time. And I guess to just kind of get some history on it from you, I'm curious about when when you decided that you wanted to go in and be a tattoo artist. Because I know that being an artist was something that was always uh, you were always gifted at. But when did you decide you wanted to turn that towards tattoos? Okay, that's interesting because no one's ever posed it exactly that way. Um, <laughs> so I was, uh, we lived in, we were living in, where was it? it was Bozeman. We were living in Bozeman. I was about 13, maybe. That early. And yeah, it's, it's weird. It's not, that's not super weird, but I remember, uh, so there's two, there's two events that happen in my life. Um, I, I had I was in seventh grade and a kid at my I can't remember his name I know his face I can see his face in my mind but I cannot remember his name and he was a locker next to me and he looked at me and he said uh, what kind of music do you like and I was like I, I don't know and he's like what do you mean I was like I I, I don't I have no idea I have no idea what kind of music I like he's like you have no opinion I was like I've actually never thought about that before and for some reason for those like I mean we were moving around a lot like you know my history with that mm -hmm. and like we were all over the place and for some reason like it just I I never had this like developed um I didn't know what I liked and I was like that's really messed up you know, <laughs> like, you how do I not to know? Something. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, I like anything. I didn't know. I was like, the last thing I could remember in seventh grade, like, uh, listening to was like, like, uh, God, this is, this is bad. It was the, uh, the two things I remember listening to. And I was about six when I listened to these things. It was the soundtrack for Aladdin. And I liked nice. the genie song. I remember being like, yeah, like Robin. I mean, Robin Williams is like, what's up? Yeah. And, um that's an whole impressive bit like he like apparently made all that stuff up himself or something like it's pretty hmm. cool um i remember listening to that a lot my dad had petra on a lot which is kind of like a rock band so i think that's where i, I kind of get that from <laughs> oh, you, okay yeah 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 okay yeah. with your background yeah yeah. yeah 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 most people are like what are you talking about and i was like that's probably where i get sort of the metal rock thing from um, cause we didn't have any sort of, uh, what do they call it? Secular or whatever, like background at all. Mm -hmm. Like it was all Christian music, Christian rock, Christian, like worship music and Disney. Like that's all I was exposed to. And I wasn't really into most of it. Like it really, it was like, Oh, this is what people listen to. Oh, and my, my grandma, uh, on my dad's side, um, she, uh, was always playing like sort of like old country songs, you know? like really old stuff. And so like I was exposed to that. Not, not a big fan. You mean like Johnny Cash or like what? No, I wish. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been a lot better. <laughs> no, it was like uh, uh, Hit the Road Jack, whatever that song. Is that the name of the song? I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a lyric. <laughs> I can hear it in my head, but yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, like, stuff like that. Like, that's what we listen to. So that's to what's going through your head when this guy asks you that. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't like any of that stuff. Like, no, oh, oh, and, uh, oh, no, and uh, uh, Mark Lowry, if you know who he is, uh, he's a Christian comedian. Uh, I had his, I had an album of his I heard, like, probably 500 times. Man, it's got to be the funniest thing ever. They're actually, okay, so totally I'm going to derail this. So he had this whole story <laughs> where his dad used to spank him, right? Um and uh his dad, he has this whole spanking story about his dad spanking him and uh he was like he, he's like i got really smart and he's like i put 13 pairs of underwear on <laughs> and i was like i was like oh my god this guy's a genius i'm like six right i'm like oh i put uh i think i want to say like four or five pairs i wasn't stupid i wasn't gonna like i was gonna have like a little fat but of like underwear on, uh, but I was like, okay, like four or five, like that's plenty enough for me. Like I don't feel pain like normal people like at all. My wife didn't believe me when she came and watched me get tattooed by David when I got my arm worked on, and uh, it was like three hours in. I'm just chatting away, having a blast, and she's like, "This is bullshit!" Like you don't even you feel anything. <laughs> I was like, "I told you, I don't feel pain like other people." But spankings hurt. And uh, the only thing that really hurt was the belt. Like uh, it got to that point with me where like, uh, like my, so, so this is why I got to that point. Um, I was the kid that needed that stuff. Like, let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I needed it bad. And uh, uh, I put on like five pairs of underwear and I like tightened my ass. My mom spanks me and I broke her wooden spoon. and I bust out laughing. <laughs> It was so bad. I was like, oh, I'm going to die. And I, I like tried to hold it in and oh, I've never my seen my gosh. mom so mad in her whole life. In my whole life, even to, even to the day, I've never seen her so mad. That's, uh, yeah, not exactly what you want, but I guess you got the immediate result that you were looking for. <laughs> six, six-year-old me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the belt later. It was bad. Yeah. I, I deserved it. And I knew I deserved it too, even at that age. That's that's a funny thing. A lot of people are like really against it, and they're like, "Oh, it's so bad." It was like, if you have a child like me, you need to do that. Like my <laughs> kids, I don't really have to do that. I can just I get throw them in timeout, and they're every yeah. It's the worst day of their life. Every kid and for me, the way that you deal with them for sure. Me personally, if my parents hadn't done that, I I I would probably re robbing banks and doing whatever I want. Like I'd be like some drug cartel lord. Like I I I needed that really bad, uh, which is something that a lot of people don't talk about. Because a lot of people don't need it. Almost no one does, except for me. <laughs> so that's 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 off the subject and get derailed. Where were we at before this? Uh, we were oh the music about, thing. Yeah, uh, music, how I got yeah. into tattoos. Yeah, no, this it's all sort of relevant. So, um, so this kid asked me about that, and because of all that weird crap slash the weird spanking stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it, sorry, that was the Mark, the Mark well, Lowry it's, thing. It's related thought. to pain, right? Which is it's, related to tattoos. It's funny. Right? Well, yeah, actually, yeah, it is actually really related to a lot of it. But um, so he asked me the question and I was like, I'm not going to tell him about Mark Lowry and the spanking thing because that's weird. And <laughs> I'm not going to tell him I like the genie song when I was six. And that's the only thing I had to go off of. So I went on this like weird little quest to find what I liked, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and I started listening to everything. I listened to modern country, old country, Johnny Cash. It's okay. I listened to jazz, like bebop, like, I mean, like everything. Okay. I mean, I really dug in classical music. I'm really specific on very heavy tones. I like like really old, heavy, like just raw shit that worked for me. And I was like, okay, I like that. Mm -hmm. 
And we kept going. And uh, Drowning Pool had let the bodies hit the floor. Uh, that song had come out. It was on the radio. It was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. It's not too bad. Yeah. But it's it's missing something. It feels empty. There's something wrong intrinsically with this. You know? And I was like, it's not like not wrong. Um, it's empty. It's missing something. That's that's the problem with it. It's so very some element flat. That you were looking for in that that wasn't there. Yeah. Well, I like like classical music felt whole. It felt complete to me. Uh, I could see images in my mind. I could feel it. It 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 felt correct. It looked correct in my mind's eye, hmm. um, which I actually now think I actually have a, a form of synesthesia, possibly. Um, uh, do you know what that is? Nope. Go for it. <laughs> Basically, uh, it's a, uh, it's brain damage. Uh, and when you like, so I fell off a eight foot high wall, uh, in California. We, when we lived there, my parents are in college mm-hmm. and I landed on my head on a bunch of rocks and I was out for like 10 out 15 hours or something like that. Uh, the worst cases I've heard of people being out for like, like weeks, uh, right. and it, totally alters their brain chemistry and my parents just let me go to sleep which is what you're not supposed to do <laughs> when you suffer a, a massive brain trauma they didn't know that it's like it's like 91 or mm-hmm. something you know 92 and um i uh i don't know i woke up i felt weird but i was okay but for most of my life there's been this weird difference between like where sound and images kind of meld together and i hadn't heard of synesthesia until like the later like 2000s of the internet and whatnot Mm. and i started looking into it and i was like yeah i think i i might have like a weird latent thing there and basically there's this connection in your brain where like it's supposed to be severed and then it's not severed anymore and so like when i hear sound images pour into my head but not all the time for me it's only sometimes with some frequencies and i'm i, so I guess the best like, way would be so like when you're listening to classical music it does kick in but when this particular song was playing on the radio it just it was almost there but it just wasn't quite to the point you were thinking it should be it feels like an incomplete picture mm. it goes both ways so um when i hear a sound i the picture doesn't look complete if it's not a completed sound and then I'm like, this is, this is trash. It's not complete. It's something's wrong here. Um, it's like, if you equate like color to light to sound, all those different le- wavelengths all matter. And if you were to look at something, you see all those wavelengths, like hit your eyes. And when it hits your ears, if I don't see that full image, it feels empty. Hmm. Okay. And like most people can't perceive that like at all and i don't know if that's just some wacky weird stuff in my brain but like that's that's the way i see it that's the way i see it and and so like modern like pop music just does not work for me so i went on this big journey and i found drowning pool i listened to metallica it sounded empty and dead there's like too much chunks of stuff missing sometimes it was okay most of the time not so much it just was it just 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 half-assed um and then uh, this is the this is the whole music thing coming full circle to the tattoo thing. Mm-hmm. My friend, uh, my friend Gavin, he gave me uh, his sister gave him a CD and he didn't like it. He was like, I don't care about this at all. This doesn't speak to me. And he gave it to me. It was the cover of the first Godsmack CD, and it's this girl with like tattoos and she's like ridiculously pierced, like mm-hmm. s- like so overly pierced. You think it was like a like some tribal country, right? Like it's like bizarre. <laughs> 
like okay. how much he's pierced. You can Google if you want. And um, I remember being like, wow, she's really attractive. I like tattoos and piercings. <laughs> and that was like the first thing that like triggered in my head for that. I was like, I like that. That's cool. That's different. It's weird. It's counterculture or not culture at all, really. And uh, so that was the first inkling. The second one was around the same time we went to um, we went to the uh, it, you know it's funny it wasn't the normal fair that like you know like in Missoula and Helena like how we have uh, like the fair that comes in the town and all that so you you were in Hel- mm-hmm. you were, grew up in Helena right yeah 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 we had a uh, you have the fa- yeah yeah you, you use the same fair like it's the same fair that goes to each town like same carnies everything mm-hmm. and. So I'd always gone to the same fair. And then we were in Bozeman. Uh, this girl I was hanging out with in high school or, or eighth grade. Yeah, it was like eighth grade. Um, uh, she used to ride horses and uh, like like competition stuff where they like run around barrels and dangerous shit that you could like break your ribs on. <laughs> like yeah. It was really yeah. intense. I was like, wow. Like I always thought of her like as some prissy chick. And I didn't take her very seriously until I saw her do that. And I was, I mean, I was really impressed. I was like, okay, wow. Like you're, that's intense. You're a hard ass. So I was like, yeah, I was like, this is really cool. Like, and I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't take her seriously as a person until I saw that. And I was really impressed with her. And, um, uh, I would probably would have pursued her more if like we hadn't moved, honestly, like she was super cool. Like that's nuts. Like you just don't see chicks like that, that are like willing to risk, like well, breaking because a know. horse falls on <laughs> yeah i guess in montana but i mean this is bozeman i mean like it's the most like it's yeah but bozeman. bozeman's a, a different kind of montana um i still think it's that's good. my I point mean, I, love, I love bozeman but um, i like a lot of things about bozeman but like missoula and bozeman are like we don't have to get political but like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for montana you're like wow that's counterculture so uh she was super cool but like that was interesting so while i was at one of her shows me and my buddy jake uh who's also a tattooer now randomly enough Hmm. very good at it um we uh we were running around and uh there was this old guy selling knives right and uh big knives and like weird you know like really like Like crocodile dundee knives like oh straight up like (laughs) big knives and we're like we're 13 and we're like oh these are cool and we're like can we buy these he's like i'm not gonna sell a 13 year old my knife dude like go away like unless your parents are here and we're like what like i have i I already own a bunch of knives this is montana like we know you're in a fair but like it's montana like my, my my dad's only gonna be like oh cool you gotta gotta sell you a giant knife I want it. You know, that's, that's the worst case scenario is he's going to use it or we're going to go hunting. And, um, uh, he's like, I'm not, no matter what you say, I'm not selling a knife. And I saw a tattoo on his arm of like, a. it was a, it was an old, I want to say sailor Jerry design. It was really mm-hmm. poorly done. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really bad. It was this Eagle, uh, really classic design. And it was done like shit. It was like the worst tattoo probably I've ever seen. And the fact I can even remember what it looks like is amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, that was really cool. Like, you got a tattoo on your arm. Like, and I hadn't been exposed to that, like, at all. Like, nobody around us had them. Like, I wasn't exposed to any biker people. Interesting. Like, I was super sheltered. I hadn't seen, I don't think I'd ever seen a tattoo in my life that I remember until that point in time. Hmm. And I started asking him, I was like, well, where did you get it? How did you get it? Like, did it hurt? Like, what was it like? And he's like, oh, it hurt like hell. And I was, he was like, it was the worst pain in my entire life. You should so never do this. Is that something it's the that worst over time? I'm assuming that that's well, no, no, changed over time. No, like, 
that's that's part of the story. Okay, and, all right. In this moment, okay, and he's like, "It's the worst thing ever." And I was like, "Well, why? Like, what was so bad about it?" And he's like, "He's like, well, we we used an electric razor and a guitar string." Oh my lord! <laughs> like, ah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, yeah, that probably hurt jamming Hardcore. a rod of metal into wow. your arm. Yeah, and like, Ugh. and what's funny is like that's a lot more common than you would think. Like, it's that's a pretty that's a pretty common story. I've covered up a lot of stuff, and so uh, I thought it was awesome. I wasn't going to do it that way. I would do it with like actual needles, like not a stupid, you know, carny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, he did it when he was like thirteen, so he was really like, "Don't do this," and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we went through that whole thing. And uh that was probably it. It was between that that CD cover and that same year of that girl with tattoos and the, oh no, there's the third part. There's like three parts. Uh I had okay. read a, a I was weird at this age even too. Uh I had read like a psychological study that um basically you attract the people that you want to be around by looking like them. Mm-hmm. So if you dress like a goth kid, you're going to attract the goth kids. Yep. Duh. If you want to be a jock kid, you're going to dress those. You want to be popular, you got to look like them. That's human hierarchy. Like, that's just how it works. And I was like, if I want to date a girl with tattoos, I have to get tattoos. That was like, <laughs> and I thought they were cool anyway. So it was just a, mm-hmm. uh, immediately like awesome byproduct, like girls with piercings and tattoos. That's, that's what I want. Granted, I had no idea what that actually meant, mm-hmm. but uh, on, on a purely physical level that's what i was like yeah that's what i want to go for and i was artistic so like you know i i was on the bus at in third grade selling crappy pictures to kids you know and getting a dollar out of them per picture you know until Mm -hmm. their parents got pissed that i was taking all their (laughs) lunch money (laughs) and so i mean that, that was always a thing um and that's pretty much how it started and then I had an interest in it and getting them, not actually doing it, but getting them was mm-hmm. the thing. Then I found out that the artists were not very good through like just time. Uh, they were very bad. They didn't know much about art. And the more you talk to tattooers and you know about art, you're like, wow, you you really don't know anything about art. And they make a lot of excuses <laughs> like, oh, it's tattoos. It's different because it's skin. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you just don't know what you're talking Another about. Medium. Like that is n- so- actually... N- nothing to do with it so when did uh when did you take your art and start change like changing direction for what you were focusing on so that you could move more towards tattoos or did you even or or did that no. just like your, no, your took- art just became like literally just another medium no so so i i um i mostly worked in pen and pencil um all throughout high school i would draw these crazy intricate drawings like um gustav dore adore dore adore i can google that if you need me to uh but goose yeah gustav dore his uh his work is incredible stuff from like what like the 15 1600 something like that and i think he was scratching some stuff on metal or something because hmm. of some of the technique i saw but it's 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 cool oh, stuff yeah. it's all line work i see it yeah. yes that's very interesting yes 
Yeah, so I uh, I would do a technique where I'd take a .005 micron pen. I'd let the ink actually like run down until there was almost nothing left. And then those were like the most coveted pens because they weren't like a .005. They were like a .005. And if you hold your, 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 oops, if you hold your hand correctly and you move back and forth, this is going to pick up on the uh, thing at all. Um, you can get these like perfect, crazy, tiny lines and you slowly move your hand backwards and you get these perfect etching lines and I could create absolutely, I mean, I, I have a, I have one or two pieces left that I kept and I look at it now and I'm like, dear God, how do they do this? I remember people like my boss, when I started tattooing, looking at him and he's like, how did you make this? And I explained it to him and he's like, how, how do you have the patience to make this? It's just like, he's like, this is insane. And it's funny because I'm, I'm 33 now and I look at it and I'm like, God, I had nothing, I had nothing to do. This is the most mindless, stupid. There's definitely so times. And yeah, yeah. The amount of time that you had when you were younger, you, you completely take for granted. And now looking back, it's like, man, if I had that kind of time, I would, well, first of all, I'd probably take a nap first. Then I'd go, <laughs> dude. Then I'd I go told do my co- X, Y, or Z. I just told my cousin that, like, he was staying here for a bit, and I was like, dude, like, he's like, what, thir- thirteen now? And I'm like, do something with your life, learn how to program, do anything. Like, you have so much time, like, use it. You have turned and into the old like, man already. Oh, okay, Joel. <laughs> and I'm like, do it. Well, he listens to me because I'm cool when I do tattoos and make video games. So yeah. Definitely. So like when it came to tattoos, when did you actually start, um, start? Cause I, you, you apprenticed for a while. Oh, how did I actually that do when it? you started? Yeah. So, um, I drew a lot in high school. I took a lot of classes and I did sculpture and drawing and every, everything you could imagine. That was my whole thing. And then I drew in every other class. Like that was ridiculous. I math class, I failed and I just, through the whole thing every piece of homework has drawings on it because i just didn't care i just needed enough to pass and so i passed got through that got the ged because people say that's important and then i worked at a company or i worked at jamba juice most people know what that is uh for a while got fired from there because i went wear non-slip shoes that's what they said at least and then I inadvertently got a job at true green lawn care doing door-to-door sales which i really liked I was really good at it. I made yeah. a couple, I think, but like my, I made a sale on my first day door to door and like, I, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. It was fun. I like selling things. And, um, I was totally fine. Like working my way up through sales, like just do that route. Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong with that. And, um, my second year doing door to door sales, uh, my buddy, who I had met through a friend, he was, uh, he like had like just, just violently wedged his way into an apprenticeship at a shop. And, uh, it, it's ridiculous, but he really did. And he got his way in and he had been there for two years and he was like, you need to be a tattooer. Like we can't waste your talents. It's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> and he's, 
He's he was like a very mediocre artist where he like had decided he wanted to be an artist when he was like 14 or 15. He told me at one point uh, and he just decided like, that's what I want to do with my life. But not like he'd been drawing like it's just a thing you do. Mm-hmm. Normal artists that I've met that are like have their own like style and talent and stuff. They're very much like they just do it because it's what they do. They don't think about it. And for him, it, it was always very forced. I don't know. And I mean, I'm not saying that's an invalid way of doing things. I think everyone can draw, do art, do stuff. There are techniques and whatnot. But the thing that drives you to, like, really do something really interesting, I think that comes from the core. As from as I've been proven, now if somebody can prove me different, let me go for it. Um, but... You know, you have to know people for years to actually well, natu- <laughs> experience natural ability kind of plays into that a lot too. If you have a natural talent to be able to do something, well, it's it's like a want. It's going to help you. Yeah, yes, yes, but the, but like, it sounds like you know you're saying for in his case, the natural talent wasn't as well progressed as it was for you, and that's well, probably I was in- part of what drove you as well. Well, when I was in kindergarten, I just drew because I did it, and my mom thought I was just drawing my stuff because I was a kindergartner, and it was like. I just did it because I had to do it. I don't have a choice. I have to make stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'll kill myself if I can't make stuff. If you take all my things away, I'll die. Like, I have to make something. Mm-hmm. I can sculpt. I can make you a chair. <laughs> I can build you <laughs> something. I could be an engineer. I have to make something. That's me. That's, like, me as a core of a person. I have to be making something or I go nuts. And... He didn't seem like that kind of person who had to make something. And the most artists I met were like that. For him, it was just kind of like, that looks cool. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was weird for me, meeting someone like that who didn't seem to have like this innate thing their whole life that um, they like had to do. And so, uh, I don't know. It's just strange. Uh, I don't know why I'm. I'm getting too focused on that. Anyway, so he was really obsessed with, well, the point of that was he was really focused on me wasting my talent, how it was really important that I use my artistic talent and stop doing sales, which is like, I'm realistically probably as good at sales as I am at drawing. Like they're equal talents to me. They're, Mm -hmm. They're not like, it's not a waste of my time to do that because I am as good at art as I am at sales. Like it's not, now I'm better at art because I did it for 10, 12 sure. years professionally, but um, which also takes into sales. So sales built on it, to be fair. But yeah, I don't know. It was, it was strange that other people take that much interest in me when normally people just blow me off. So uh, I don't know. It's weird to me. But um, so he was really obsessed with me getting into it. So he like begged uh, my boss to, at the, you know, future boss uh to apprentice me he was like i'm two years in like we need a new apprentice blah 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 i don't want to do tubes anymore you know that kind of thing (laughs) he can do my work and i don't have to do it Uh and so there was a big thing there but i was a good candidate and so he had seen my portfolio but it was just impossible for me to ever be a tattooer with that kind of art and for some reason he had this weird thing in his head my boss that like i couldn't just like shift the art i'm like why not i like just it's not that hard. You just stop doing this one and do this other one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. For him, that was a weird thing to consider. Um, 
so eventually he gave me a chance and I started in November of 2009, I think it was. Yeah, 2009, November, something like that. Okay. So I got, I got laid off 2008, 2009 and, uh, I got laid off and then, um, I started working there after I got laid off from my, my sales job. Cause you can't do it. You can't sell lawn care in Minnesota in the winter. That's ridiculous. <laughs> not happening um and so i got laid off and then i uh i started the apprenticeship and i'd already taken a apt test with the alliance of professional tattooers and bloodborne pathogen tests so like very much day one i was doing tubes and working with all the stuff and when you say you're really doing tubes what do you mean by that what's that uh so like you're so I, I guess I could have brought props, but uh, there okay, you're, you're so, supposed to describe it. This is primarily a podcast, so you know I know we're talking. But <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, people can't always see the video. Go to YouTube and watch this. Uh, so you have your like machine, right? So your machine is either a rotary based thing where you have a literally a motor mm-hmm. and the motor's turning, and then it's usually doing something that's causing this. Like it's going like this, mm-hmm. right? The motor's going like this. And yep. then that's causing its backwards force yep. with this mechanic. And then over here, your needle bar sits and then it's going back and forth. This is terrible for a podcast down there. Yep. Yep. The needle goes. Well, forth. basically, so you have a mechanical structure that is causing the needle to vibrate back and forth um, in and out of the skin, yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. 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 It moves back and forth. And then the other one is a coil based system where you have two coils and you have magnets and the magnets turning off and on and off and on and off and on and off and on just from a cycle magnets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, yeah. Just like the old, you remember the old bells that are like, yep. like classes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's literally, it's literally actually just, just that, just mm-hmm. that. That's the same sound. Um, they look, they're almost identical systems. Thomas Edison's design. The rotary design originally was, I can't remember his name. Oh, people are going to hate me for this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, might me and my learnedness. Uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. But yeah, so he made the rotary and then later on somebody made the coil system. To my knowledge, nobody knows exactly who actually put the coil system in. My my boss was apprenticed by uh, Don Nolan, who was like, like, I, I I was told he went to Japan and studied with people like in the early 1900s. Uh, he said he started in like somewhere in the 1940s, mm. early 1900s, quote unquote, mid 1900s, I guess. Uh, but he was in 1940s. He was way back there. And he, he, to, he told the stories about like, uh, well, my boss told a story that he told him uh, about uh, like they were in New York and <laughs> they would like, they would like go up and one guy would distract a guy. Uh, at like a hot dog stand, <laughs> and they'd steal his, he'd steal his napkins for bandages. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they they go to brickyards and they'd steal the uh, they'd steal the powder from brickyards and they'd use that to make their red pigment. Oh my uh, goodness! <laughs> well, it's it's the same general. Yeah, substance, yeah, yeah. So. Just you know, but yeah, it's pretty intense. I'm like, that's like a lot of mafia owned most of that stuff. So Underground stuff there, yeah. I mean, you want to mess with the New York Mafia, then go for it. Um, <laughs> I don't know who's running stuff back then, but like, still, just stealing from anybody sounds stupid on like, especially expensive stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to pee. The tubes. Break. Tubes. Can I, can I go to the bathroom one sec? 
I'm yes. going to your podcast. I have yes. to go so bad. You're supposed to it go only before the podcast. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. So I'll try and keep talking here, or maybe I'll just edit this out. Um, but one of the reasons that I wanted to to talk to Joel uh, is that you know, this is something that he's been at, he's been working at for quite a while. He's gotten very proficient at it, and I've always been interested in the idea of getting a tattoo. And we'll I'll bring this up later, which means I probably should cut this part out. But uh, I just I find it interesting to learn a bit about the background. I mean, and I've known Joel for a long time, but I don't necessarily know all this about him. So, okay. I was rambling there for a bit, but uh, good. I was like, Oh man. I, I was like, I, was... I, I don't know if it was good rambling or bad rambling. So I'll have to go, go back and decide that later. But for right <laughs> we now, can always cut it out too. <laughs> probably will. <laughs> anyway, I mean, if you can edit it, uh, I was all worried about my kids and stuff coming in and like messing with me or like Jerry walking out of my mom or something like, my wife, who anybody coming in and being like, what are you doing? What's going on in <laughs> and there? And I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> I've been holding it this whole time. Um, all 33 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, what was I talking about? Tubes. You were t- I was trying to get you to talk about what tubes, tubes are. We, you talked about. Oh, the- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, we have to go through the whole thing. So you have your your machine is the whatever it is that causes the forward motion of the needles themselves. Yeah. The tube is the thing that the needles actually run through. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they develop the thing called a grip, which is literally like actually a thing that you hold on to. Like, I'll use this mm-hmm. grenade yeah. prop. Oh, this is the grenade I was trying to show you when you're here for Christmas. Oh, yes. Very nice. Cool, right? Yeah, it's all cored out in the middle. Dude, <laughs> so cool. Anyway, so <laughs> I got it from Axman in Minneapolis. Five dollars. Uh, <laughs> Five dollars was so, meant. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's super neat. It, it's great stuff. Um, so uh, it's a it's a paperweight, and then it's just a piece of metal. Um, so you hold your tube like this. It's not you're supposed to hold it, but mm-hmm. people do stupid. I don't know what's wrong with people. Unlearned people. Uh, and then you have like a thing that comes out the front of it and then your needle would come out of that and it would go through the center of the mm-hmm. tube and then the grip is around the tube and then the needle attaches to the armature bar, which attaches to the, whatever your chosen device is. And there's a bunch of stuff out there nowadays. There's cartridge base. I mean, I, I don't know if you want me to actually go into the technical stuff. It's not really that interesting It all. All, all that actually matters. The needles hit your skin and then capillary action happens. Mm-hmm. Ooh, magical. Now, granted that does actually matter if you really want to get into it where there's efficiency levels. So if you have, if you have, if you have, uh, uh, if you have cartridges, I found that the efficiency level is actually really, really inefficient. I had really bad heels no matter what I did because I couldn't actually control the around like the actual puncture rate. Mm-hmm. I found that with um, uh, what's it called? Uh, I keep want to say icons thing. Um, this FK Irons, uh, the first gen model. Uh, Ah, my brain. Just, just FK Iron's first model. Yeah, 
Yeah, no one even cares about that. If, if anybody who tattoos listens to this, they're going to be like, you suck. <laughs> and you know what? You suck too. <laughs> learn how to learn how to tattoo, you nerd. <laughs> so while you're looking uh, that up, like between oh, the, it's a Spectra. The, the two- or, it's a oh, it's a ahead. Spectra Halo. Spectra it's Halo. a Spectra Halo. Okay. Okay. Actually, ask your tube question because I'm probably going to go down a rabbit hole of my opinion. Yeah. So. so the um, when you have the needle moving through that tube, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, does there is is there any kind of like oil in that tube to keep it from like burning out because of the the back and forth the, motion the, does it the the pigment itself just the pigment itself is enough to keep that yeah okay yeah 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 well okay okay the, of course you're the engineer so you're gonna yeah. ask all these technical questions <laughs> okay so for people who are on the podcast this is gonna probably not translate well. Uh, can you see this? Yes. I don't know. This is like a yeah. This is like a thing. So, say this is the 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 needle grouping, right? So you have your like needles up in the front, mm-hmm. and then you have your your. See, this is why I should have been prepped with props. You didn't tell me to bring props for people. Yeah, but if I tell you to bring props, uh, then it's not a good podcast because you're supposed to use your words, Joel. Well, <laughs> I guess as I drop things. So what happens is it goes back and forth, right? Yeah. And most people they bend their they bend their um their needle bar. In the center, and they go like this, and they like press it up, and they can do a bad mm-hmm. job. They they bend their needle bar really, really high, uh, and that works pretty good in the center for most designs. But it depends on the designs because why would you bend there's it? A, uh, because you're going to put rubber bands on it to hold it down, so it's not flapping around. Oh, okay. sorry, I skipped over that for you. Yeah, sorry, I just seemed inherent. Um, you don't have any tattoos, right? No, not yet. So. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so you have the machine, and even if it's rotary, in most cases there's some that have like a little like circle, or sorry, circle like a like a little like guider that they put down. But fundamentally, you're gonna have a uh, 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 rubber bands that are gonna hold this the the needle down. But if they bow down, it's gonna be like the needle's gonna be going like up. Because mm. <laughs> this this part is flat, you know the the end of the the end of the tube is flat, so you're gonna have these needles like janking up, and then you're not gonna get very good um, uh, what people like to call like a licking motion. You're not gonna get the pigment to flow out properly, and that's a okay. big issue. Okay, the pigment actually flowing out and the way the needles hit is a huge. That's like that's like everything. Like that's the real magic in tattoos. That's something that most people kind of skip over. Um, it's really sad, but it's true. So tattooing is really annoying, but it's really complicated, but it's really freaking simple all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if the needle bar is bent correctly for your machine, so like, I want to say it's a Dan Kubin sidewinder, sidewinder, side, sidewinder. I just looked up a, I just looked up an image here and I was assuming that there was like a long when when you said tube that there was like a long hose between the mechanical device causing the the motion of the needle and it went. Can you a link me the tube. image you're looking at? Yeah. Can we uh, do it on here? Or, yeah, there's I a chat can. on here. Share screen. Uh, you just send me the link. Do you have a Discord? Let's tell everyone on. on <laughs> let's tell everyone on the internet your Discord. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't have a Discord. One participant can share at a time. This is fun. This is going to make for some good podcasting here. 
two people trying to figure out how to share a screen. <laughs> Why don't I don't need to, just send me a link? Just well, because it's a uh, it's just a, a a picture off of uh, off the internet is what I'm looking at. Text it to my phone. Oh, here we go. Oh, you're not right there. Phone. Boom. Oh. There we go. So I was assuming that there was a much larger. Oh, did it? It didn't come through yet. There we go. Um, People are like there twenty. Was a much like, larger, oh, 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 freaking boomers, man! You can't figure out the internet. <laughs> I was like I'm a millennial. That this device Thank you. Was a lot farther away from the needle than it was. So I was assuming that this device, all right here, was all like some long the grip? tube hose. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, no. It's 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 like a pencil. It's a pencil with a big heavy metal piece of crap. Wow, this looks like garbage. Yeah, well, this is, this is real basic here. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying like the quality of like the setup and the geometry here is not mm. fantastic. So this this is a coil machine and the 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 geometry between all of these different parts you're seeing, you have the armature bar pin, you have the the armature bar, you have the the entire I'm not going to go through every piece, but you have the entire structure of the whole thing. If you're changing and moving stuff around, every little piece really, really matters a lot. It changes sure. the physics all over the place. And people like to treat it really simple because then it makes them feel less bad about destroying people's skin and they say it's their fault or whatever. I mean, well, I mean, you don't know what their skin's going to be like when you're going into it, but like you need to be able to adjust instantly. Uh, and I've always said, if you're going to use coils, you need to have about 20 different co- uh, like uh, machines set up uh, and you need to have them set up between uh, or at least ready to go to like set up for that skin type. And you need to be able to adjust for that skin type and take the time to be like, you know, do a couple lines and you're like wrong skin type. Hold on and set up new machines mm. for that person. If you don't know how to do that, if that doesn't make sense to you, you don't know what you're doing. And that sounds really critical. And a lot of people will be like, well, that's not fair. No, you actually, literally, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the most critical person on the internet about this, but literally that's the truth. Mm. Like you can technically get away on my scale. So I do a scale of one to 10 on skin type. One are, are, are people, and this is for tattooers, whoever listened to this. One is going to be people who have that paper skin, like that old dude who comes in, you like, no matter how lightly you tattoo it, it just rips to shreds. Stop tattooing him. He is literally so unhealthy. He is unfit to get a tattoo. Mm. The 10 is the guy who has like weird bumps on his skin. He's eats a horrible diet. You ask him what he eats and he's like, I ate pizza from the gas station for 20 years. <laughs> and you're like, you're going to die. Um, I mean, he's the most unhealthy person you've ever met. And I have literally met that person and a young person too. And their skin, it's just kind of like people, a lot of people tattoo on fake skin or on, um, Pound of Flesh is a great, uh, really great medium, actually, for learning. It's a little weird because it doesn't operate the same way, but it's, it's you know, it's better than what I had to deal with. Or even a plastic bottle. That's a whole fun technique on itself. Um, so it's like... The 10s feel scale, like plastic. It's bad. Your scale is like five the or five or six nom... Like five, five is perfect. Okay. Five is optimal. Okay. And it's it's ironic and it's it's not it's not I'm not biased or anything at all. It actually was an accident. My brother is 5. His skin is perfect. It is 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, that perfect. probably means you're a five too, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've only tattooed myself once. The very oh. first time I tattooed, I tattooed myself. I hate tattooing myself. Other ta- some tattooers are like, "Oh, it's super fun. I love the way it feels." And I was like, "Well, you're a psycho," and that's weird. Um, I hate it. Uh, I hate tattooing myself so much. I don't mind other people tattooing me. Doesn't bother me. I don't really feel pain. But there's something about inflicting pain on myself that's just like so intrinsically wrong. <laughs> I can't yeah. do it. And I got through my first tattoo. It it turned out okay. It's better than most people's first tattoos by a long shot. Granted, I had better training than most people did. You know, almost everyone I've ever met, I've had better training. They're shocked at the training I had. And I'm shocked at the fact that everyone wasn't trained better than me because so, stuff has been done for over a hundred years, you know, but you got it's that, a secret. When you got that training, was that, I'm assuming that that, cause you got that apprentice and you were doing more than just tubes, right? Oh yeah. So they, they asked me to be the apprentice. I didn't actually ask them going back to that. I was, n- I never like was like, I want to be an apprentice. I was just like, yeah, I mean, if you guys have an opening and you want me to work here, that's fine. I'll do that. And I knew, like, uh, my boss, he was a Christian guy. He wasn't going to, like, make me wear a dress and demean me and treat me like a piece of shit. He never did that <laughs> to the guy before me or the guy before him. And that's a common thing, actually, is, like, uh, severe hazing. I've heard of people being whipped with uh, telephone cords and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're going to get, like, stuck in a trunk for, like, 24 hours for punishment. Uh, a guy I worked with, actually, a guy who worked for me, um at my old shop, uh, he used to get choked out by MMA fighter guys uh, as a general punishment for not you know mopping correctly or something like that. Or so how how long were you apprenticed at that shop? Okay, so apprenticeships are 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 malleable and weird. So um, a girl I helped uh, learn a lot of stuff she should have learned. She was apprenticed for like six months and paid like five grand. She's putting her needles in her machine upside down, like really dumb stuff. Wow. Uh, they didn't, she wasn't, she was taking garbage cans out without her gloves on. And when I explained to her, like the biological implication of that, she was like, oh my God. And I remember she one day, she was like, she's like, you paid nothing for your apprenticeship. And she's like, I paid $5,000 after going to like a hundred thousand dollar art school. And she's like, I don't know anything. She's like, she felt terrible about it. I was like, yeah, you paid a hundred K, but you paid a hundred K for art school. <laughs> you only had to throw five grand into this and you got a job here for it. So, you know, and I'm sitting here like in my first, second year, like teaching her all the stuff she should have learned, um, which is pretty ironic. But at the same time, it's like, that's how it goes. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the industry, you know? I mean, it's a really weird, janky environment, um, especially in the transitionary period I was in uh, for it. And I was there for like some of the really major stuff where you had the TV shows coming out and people went from getting like Flash and they were getting, you know, big. So like transition, transition like for you personally or for the industry as a whole? For the industry. So when I first started, um, I was a couple years into the whole wave of um basically people got flash which is an old term from i want to say the the oh i think i remember you telling me about this essentially you have a book full of like let's say a hundred different kind of tattoos yeah racks thousands of them as opposed to what 
you really specialized in, which is creating unique pieces for each individual person, right? Yeah. So like I would put it in three stages. So you have stage one, which is the people come in, they don't know what they want. So you have to have something prepared for them as a, as a business. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is like all the way back to sailor jury and way before you have to have something for people to buy as the sailors get off a ship. So you have to have ready artwork products. And this, this, that era is something that we could learn from right now so much on why that is so important. And everything I've ever said that people have blown me off for, where I was like, we should be making our own art, like doing this thing and like very revolutionary and epic stuff. And everybody thinks I'm nuts. And it's a really ironic because I'm like, <laughs> now, now I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, now nah, actually, that's how it started. Is that like people didn't know what they wanted, so you drew stuff for them, and then they came in and they just picked out whatever the hell you had in your books. That's yeah. what was an option. It could have been anything. It could have been high art. It could have been paintings. It could have been absolutely anything if the art, the tattooer had the skill level to to actually apply that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I never thought about it this way, but that's that's totally that's that's how it started and so you'd have these things people come in and then eventually you get to like the what, 60s 70s and you have these flash books and or flash pages i don't we had pages but sure. people would come in and they'd be like this is slash this is the thing and it was like an old uh carny term is from what that's what i was told i don't actually know the validity of that uh and you would come in, you'd pick it out, had a price tag on it, and some people would no negotiate, some people wouldn't. Some tattooers would, you know, be really offended if you tried to negotiate it. I know there's an old Sailor Jerry term where he goes, uh, somebody's like, oh, I'll give you, you know, like five bucks on it or something, or three dollars. And he's like, we'll give you two bucks for 250. And he's like, are you doing the tattoo or am I? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah. You know, like, ooh, I, I didn't know this dude. That sounds fun as hell. Um, and, you know, I remember people tried to haggle me and I'm like, I'm going to lower my quality. Like, this is what you get. And there's memes about it where people are like, you know, $5,000 tattoo, $100 tattoo. And like, or there's the one with the horse where it like progressively becomes a worse drawing, <laughs> yes. you know? Yes, and funny. but that's the thing is that like, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for their time to actually complete the product. Like, and people don't get that. They think that like. It's just magic what artists do. It just we just poop it out of our heads, and it's just, it's this magical thing. It's like no, this is a product that takes time. It's is a this is a thing that like you have to draw each line and do each detail and fill it in and calculate the light. And if the light's pre-calculated, it makes it a little cheaper because somebody pre-calculated the light in this drawing, and I can just go off of that. I don't have to think about it right now. So when you say pre-calculated like, the light, is that? Is that for like like shading in the drawing or is that like where on the body you're tattooing and how the light is going to work to that? Or is it both? It's two, that's two questions. So, so you have this grenade, okay? Yeah. Like this is a – I've tattooed many grenades, ironically a good example. So lighting here isn't, per, isn't very good for this example, but – Say you have it coming from the left. So it's going to hit these objects and you need to know where the light is. You need to know where it's like. So oh, your shading oh. looks accurate. 
Yeah, so, well, yeah, so, like, it looks like it has volume and it's a thing. And you're going to do that to a varying degree of level based on your technique of how you can actually apply the pigment, which is, like, a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> I mean, that's, like, a, that's, like, a, that's, like, a, like, a master class, like, me taking, like, 58, I, actually, I could probably take hundreds of hours to teach somebody all that stuff. But, like, actual shape and volume. And any artist that's listening to this, I would highly recommend reading Andrew Loomis's books, all of them, literally everything that dude wrote, like, holy crap. Um, that's some profound stuff. And if you have the mind to understand, if you read it and you don't understand it, then you're just not smart enough. I'm sorry. Or you're not there yet. Like keep working on it and come back and read it again. I know for me, like the first time I read it, I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. And then I read it like two years later, the same book. And I'm like, wow, I was really stupid two years ago. This is this is really, really good stuff. And then like 10 years later, I read it again and I'm like, dear God, this guy's a genius. <laughs> How did I not see this? You know, but that's, that's the whole thing with like, as you, as you know, you're, you're, you need those prerequisites to get to that point. Sure. And once you get to that point, you, you kind of forget that you needed those prerequisites. So, um, where was I? Light shading. Sorry, I started thinking. Yeah. About so, and, and something I was going to ask on that too is, so you get your light right, and so you can get. I I said shading. Oh, oh, pre-rendered. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. So, I'm not, but is that like also so that your your perspective and like you say, kind of the feeling of of shape and volume comes through properly is all kind of tied. Yeah, to your Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 really, really annoyingly basic tattoo: upper arm, right? Say your right arm on your yeah. like upper upper bicep or not bicep your. What's the thing on shoulder, your shoulder? Tricep? Tricep. Tricep. So um, on a tricep area, that's what we're going to focus on. So it has sort of like this V shape. And this grenade is an awesome, <laughs> an awesome prop today. <laughs> so it fits there very well. If someone's like, I like grenades. They're cool. They mean boom. Uh, and or my military days. You know, I do a lot of military stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have this grenade there. And you want it to fit just right in that V shape. That's a big thing. But you also know that almost every time anyone is ever going to look at that, the light's going to be coming from the light above them or somewhere ambiently above them. Or if they're outside, it's going to be coming from the sun, which is going to be kind of all around coming down onto you. Mm -hmm. So you want to pick a spot that's not there. There's an like artistic choice here. Like you can pick a hard light from like the left or right or somewhere around it. Um, and it's going to have a hard cast shadow. It's going to be easier to tattoo if you know good tribal work. And if you don't know good tribal work, then you you, you really screwed in tattoos. Like that's like the really fundamental basic for all everything mm -hmm. except for shading or for black and gray. Technically, it's sort of like weirdly the opposite, sort of, sort of. But you still actually no, that's not true at all. You actually still need to know that because otherwise you can't get your deepest blacks and then you're stupid. So if you can't actually get your deepest darks, you're dumb. I mean, you just, you just, you just screwed. Like, I mean, no, you're not dumb, but you're screwed. Like you're just, you're just, you're not going to be, you able can't to actually, you tech. can't get, you can't, well, you can't get a, no, that's not even that. It's, you can't get a full scale. Like you missed out. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. It's, you can't get black to white. If you can't do a actually good solid tribal thing, which is really complicated because you need to pick the right pigment. Did you get like Waverly or did you get somebody else? You probably should have gone Waverly based on my research, but you know, and, and then how close to white can you get? You can't get white because as soon as that consumer walks outside and sunlight goes, hits their shirt, 
it's going to come, the, the UV rays are going to penetrate the shirt and they're going to start warping that white into like a yellowish color. And unless that tattoo does not see sunlight for 90 days, you're going to get a really bad yellow warping. Mm. After 90 days, it's going to be progressively worse or fade out into nothing. So there's some people who they'll do a thing where they put the white in and then they just like, like for me personally, if the white turns clear, you 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 accomplish the entire goal. Like you're you're set. That's probably best case scenario. And a lot of people don't understand why, um, but that's because they don't understand how the actual molecules like float around. Or part not even molecules, just the particles, how they float around, and interact with each other inside of the skin. Um, putting nothing in is the thing that a lot of people do. And they're like, well, I can't put it in. It's just going to fade out anyway. It's like, it doesn't matter if you can't see it. If it turns clear, it's still there. Like, you still have that barrier. Like, that's the most important part. And that's something that's really hard for people to understand is that, like, it doesn't matter if you can't see it. You still need that physical barrier in the skin to, like, hold all those pieces together. Otherwise, they just kind of do whatever they want. What do you mean? So, like, the, the tattoo literally moves more if you don't fill in those gaps essentially yeah yeah so so if you think about it from top down on like a piece of paper and you have like you take your four fingers and you put them on a piece of paper or on your desk or whatever right now uh and you're like you're like tap it and you move it forward slowly those are the needles right Mm -hmm. and each tap is gonna is gonna disperse whatever pigment you put in there so if you go no. tapping really, really fast and you're like tap, 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 and you brush out and you brush along the skin and then you lift up at the end when you want it, all the stuff that you lifted up is going to disperse out. So this whole idea of like whip shading is a bit real popular thing where you make this like weird kind of forward wave motion, all the stuff on almost. the end. Yeah, exactly. All the stuff on the end here drops out long term. It's gone. It's never going to last because it's too high in the skin or it's too low. Your inaccuracy level is like your margin is so high there. So what I found was if you stay on the same level and I figured out a method for actually continually staying on that same level, if you stay on the same level uh, with what you're doing, so like color packing, so you're, you're like, like for people watching on this video. So if you stay on the same level, you're like doop, 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 pack it, pack it, pack it. And then you kind of like open your hand up and you you wave out. Uh, and But when you wave out, you're like, there's this like, this is the margin of error where you your needles have gone up this graph. This mm-hmm. is the worst description for a podcast. This totally it's going is, yes. Vertically, it's going, it's going horizontal. Put it on YouTube, no, but check it out what, there. <laughs> what is this? What is this, this is this is vertical. This is horizontal. What's the sideways? Forty-five. So you're going from a forty-five degree angle out of the skin to the surface as you're like whipping it out. And let's let's say that's just perfect. Like you just like mm-hmm. just yanked it right out, and it hits a forty-five degree angle. As that forty-five degree angle gets closer and closer to the surface of the skin. Every every little teeny teeny bit is like less and less pigment that's staying yeah, yeah, in the skin. Yeah, it's it's like everybody knows the whole industry. Everybody knows this this whole like first layer. It's not staying in. You have to hit the second layer. So if the needles are going like this, there's a large portion of time where they're hitting a hundred times a second or so, where like they're just 
they're not in that second layer. They're going to look like that maybe for nine months, maybe a whole nine months. They look like that, but it's gone. And I, I kept finding over and over and over in my early days where after nine months, I'd actually see it. And people said like 90 days, you know, like you have the three month thing. But I found that like realistically, you really don't see good results until 90 days. And then after 90 days, if it's still in there, it's probably going to be in there for 10 years. Hmm. Okay. But if it's not there after nine months, it's like, where'd it go? You didn't do a very good job. Sorry. Your hand movements are messed up. You got to fix your stuff. But you have to pay attention to what you were doing nine months ago. You know how hard it is for an artist, especially artists, to figure out <laughs> what, what did I do nine months ago? Like, no one's preparing you for that. No one sets up that expectation in this industry, let alone any other one. Well, I mean, maybe oil painting, where it's like an oil painting. It's like, yeah, you're... You know, you got to let it dry. Make sure it doesn't crack 10 years down the line, 100 years down the line. I mean, like, that's what you're prepared for is that mm. past your lifetime, this thing will break apart because you messed up on how you oiled the layer, you know, the layer of the oils. And I'm like, you should probably be preparing people for that. So, like, I got lucky where my mentor, he he actually prepared me for that stuff where he's like, this stuff looks like shit 20 years later if you do certain things. So I saw um, the remnants of the era of fine line tattooing from the 80s. And we keep we kept having people come in. This is why I got so good at uh, cover-ups. We kept having people come in and they'd have the, the worst blown out, like horrible shit. And they were like, it looks so good when I got it. Oh, man. It's groovy, dude. And it's like <laughs> literally that era, dude, straight up. And they'd be like, it's groovy's tattoo I ever had. And I, I remember asking my boss, and I was like, dude, like, why did people tattoo this bad? Like, it's so tiny. Like, everything you've ever told me was like, this is the stupidest thing I could have done. And he's like, yeah, he's like, that was like kind of before his era. And, you know, when he was a kid and he goes, they, he's like, when you used to go past tattoo shops, they'd have this whole thing on like fine line tattooing. And mm. I'm like, why? It doesn't work. He's like, they didn't know that then. I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, we see the results of what they were doing now and you have to fix it. Mm. And then the most disturbing part is when I lived in Fort Collins, we had a shop there who like to the day. 2021 is still like promoting like their whole thing is fine line tattoos. And I had a girl come in wow. and she was like, yeah, all my friends, they just love this shop. They think it's the best place. And these are fine line tattoos. And she's like, she's like two months after they get them, they look, they look horrible. <laughs> they're, they're just all blown out. They're all jacked up. And I've seen like some really far gone stuff on fine line with single needle liners on my boss's arm. That was, it was so bad. And I always wanted to cover that up. I never got a chance, but man, I always wanted to just, and he, he wouldn't do it because it was Nolan's work, but it was like so bad. <laughs> so bad. Like no one's such a cool dude, but like, oh, it was so bad. Like, I mean, I don't think he knew. I really don't think he knew, you know, I think he'd be stoked for somebody to cover up something that bad blew out to like, you have fine single needle line that blew out to like something that looks like you did it with like a 15 meg. It's like, how did this happen to you? You know, but th that's the thing is they didn't know it's not his fault. And like, when you talk about this stuff and you actually like critically look at it and you're like, this is a problem. We should 
fix this, everyone gets mad at you and they're like, you can't talk about this stuff. You can't, you can't say it was bad. And it was like, yeah, it was a terrible idea. They just didn't know it. It's not their fault. They're innocent. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, why are what, why are some dude in so Fort Collins? Back then? What, what, why did uh, I mean? Because oh, I mean, fine, well, fine line tattoos. I mean that that just it it just sounds it sounds good. fantastic. It sounds oh, it great. sounds great. Um, That's a great but, marketing technique. So what what drove that into the into the market back in the day? Then it was probably because it was the polar. But this is speculation. I wasn't there for it. I'm way too young for that. Like mm-hmm. thirty years too well, yeah, young yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. um. I would bet it's because you go from the Sailor Jerry era of like eight needle liners, big thick liners. Somebody figured out how to do threes and then somebody figured out how to do ones, which is uh, from my knowledge, it was like two needles. And then there was a single needle on the top of the stack and it was mm-hmm. sticking out forward and then it created a stable environment for the one. I, I don't even know if they still still do it that way. I don't use shit that small. It's stupid if you ask me. But I know it can be done. Like, I'm not saying it can't be done. That's the other thing, too, is that people flame me for this. You have to understand that I have seen Jack Rudy's work, and it is incredible what he can do with a single needle liner. He did a uh, he did a portrait of my boss's wife, uh, ex-wife now, I guess, uh, on his leg. And it was, like, mind-boggling. It's, like, 16 years later, and this thing looks better than, I mean, any tattoo I've ever seen done uh for a portrait and he did the whole thing with a single needle liner dipping into one cup of black ink you know like not even like gradients where like so some people do like uh 100 percent, 50 percent, 25 whatever or they do like drop ratios for the mm-hmm. west east coast guys do drop ratio which is what I, I follow like an old thing that they do i just like it it just feels comfortable um <laughs> but but like this dude's just dropping into black with a single needle liner. He does all the hair and the detail and the faces. And I actually use his ink. It's uh, nocturnal if people care. Um, it, and it's like I, I could see why it worked that way. Because like when I came in, people were using Pelican, you know. And Pelican, like the company freaked out when they found out people are doing tattoos like took them 30 years or 20 years or something. Uh, but when they figured it out, they freaked out and they, they made it so like we couldn't buy it very easily. And uh, a lot of the old guys are wigging out about it. I heard one rumor. This is a rumor that if you get it uh, lasered off your arm, uh, it'll give you lung cancer pretty much instantaneously because when you change the molecular structure of it uh, by lasering it, it uh, releases a bunch of just too much toxin for your body to process. Uh, my my entire left arm is done with pelicans, so Woo. I'm like, ah, just cover it. Uh, but it's stable as long as you don't laser it. Just don't laser it. Yeah. Now, I've seen laser processes. Oh, I got the greatest laser story. So through my research and my uh, layering techniques that I, I haven't gone over too much, but actually at all, I don't think, in the podcast, uh, through my layering techniques, I remember telling uh, this girl who worked for me, Angelina, and i was like yeah so when i do this i'm like this is never coming out you're not even going to be able to laser this like Hmm. good luck and she was like okay i'm committed i was like this is like more serious like this is like a real tattoo in this era like you can't get this out like you're gonna like die trying okay and she's like okay i'm gonna do it like just did not (laughs) believe me 
So I started blasting her arm and uh, covered up this trash that this dude in town did. God, that guy is terrible. And uh, covered up his tattoo with the same general base of the tattoo with better and blocked it in. I think I did one layer. I don't think I did a second layer. Maybe I did a second layer. Pretty sure I did one. And uh, a couple of years later, she quit. She got mad at me. She didn't like me anymore or something. I don't know what her deal was. I had nothing against her. I thought she was cool. But um, <laughs> so she tried to get it lasered off. She decided she didn't want that tattoo on her arm because uh, she didn't <laughs> like that band that much anymore. And she wanted to get rid of it. It was a band tattoo. So, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not offended. It wasn't my art at all. So she decided to get it lasered off. And like, I don't know if it was a laser person or what, but she had like crazy boils that were like, I mean, like an inch high on her arm. Like, I mean, like it was bad, like pus filled sacks. Like it was the most vile thing I've ever seen. And I was like, well, fundamentally, the most likely thing that happened was they, she didn't listen to me when I told her what I was doing. And because of that, she didn't tell the laser technician what I did. So what I actually did was I did a solid layer. Oh, I did do two. I did at least two sessions on her, um, maybe three. So I did a solid base layer of uh, just like a carbon black. It was um, dynamic at the time. Uh, I used dynamic and then blasted it all on top. And I knew that wouldn't cover the whole thing up because of the aging process. And because the pigment in her skin from the old tattoo had already dropped down so many layers after so many years, because you can calculate it based on the amount of years it was in the skin, mm. especially if you have a general idea of what it was. And because her mentor had done it, she told me the pigment he used. I don't remember what it was, but I was able to calculate the general proportion of like how much was in the skin, how much was down. And then based on touch, I could tell how much scar tissue there was and what I needed to break through. So after I broke through that, blasted my stuff on top and then had her use my healing techniques versus whatever petroleum jelly dumbassery they were doing um we had a good heal but it's still additive so like if you have a white piece of paper and you use like a, a light like 2b pencil and then you like make a bunch of lines and then you take like a 4b pencil or 8b or something and you just like shade over it the 2B is additive. You're going to see the lines coming through. Mm. It doesn't just cover them up. That's not how it works. It's not how light works. Um, and so, of course, it comes through. So, next layer is uh, blocking out the areas that you can see to try to equalize it out for, you know, planning for what was there versus what's going to be there. And then uh, I want to say third session I did on her pretty sure i did the third this is what i normally would have done mm -hmm. um third session would have been adding the purple or blue layer i don't know which spectrum i used i want to say i used purple but i might have used blue i was experimenting back and forth i think i used blue on my brother i think i used purple on her um so i was developing a technique where you put down raw carbon which is just raw straight black you know and you put that on the lower side and then you put uh, concentrated blue on top of it. And then you put carbon on top of it again for solid black. You need about two to four months of healing period based on the person and their diet, etc. And the pigment's falling through the skin each time. 
and you're layering it like a painting. You need to give it like more and more time. I prefer six months. Nine months is more so ideal. When you go, when you do that, like black to blue and then back to black again, is there like blue undertones in there, or is there some other reason you're there, blue or purple? Yeah, there can be. I was just seeing if it would do anything different between the two of them. That was purely like just a totally. It was an experiment. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like it should it should look different, but optically to our eyes, um, the way lights reflect refracting through the skin. So, like if you look at your arm right now, you'll see like like I can see blue veins on my forearm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can, but well, I'm half blind, a lot of, but I think I can. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. Like on like on your wife's arm, you should be able to see blue things just like me. Um, I know Jerry has it too. Um, you can see the blue veins on our skin because we're light enough skin on our underarms, not usually my overarm. Uh, so your your veins aren't blue, they're red. The red light is getting absorbed from your skin and by the time it refracts back to your eyes, all the red spectrum is gone. So you just see the blue and whatever, green or whatever is left. But all the red section is gone. So you don't see it as red. You should see it as red. But your your body is absorbing it, right? Interesting. Yeah. So there's like there's like layers and layers of things. But when you look at my arm, you see all the reds and the yellows and the oranges that David put in my right arm, and that's all there. So the way the tattoos, they essentially They're, almost change color based on the layer of skin that you're under. No, they don't change at all. They're on the surface. They're very very high up. They're not that low down. So they're they're going to stay the same more or less. Okay. But over time, over like 10 years, they're dropping down. And uh, there's a dermatologist who told somebody I knew about this where his theory or whatever, what he said was fact, was that it was slowly dropping through the skin over this 10-year period. So I calculated like, okay, well, I need about six to nine months is ideal and if I wait six months and I let all that black drop down and then I put black on top, that's all there. Or even like four months, probably good, four or five months. Nine seems excessive at this point in my research. <laughs> you wait that long, you give like two to four months and you put another layer of black on. It's like a painting that's sinking into the skin and you just keep layering it on and on and on and on. And I got the idea from uh, Johnny Hendren. I'll quote him. Uh, I'll give him a shout out. So go. Johnny Henry told me the story um, back when I was uh, still in my apprenticeship. Well, my apprenticeship took six years. That was our uh, agreement for that, I guess. I wasn't actually told that until like year two or three. <laughs> <laughs> but, but apparently it was six years. So I stuck around for that long. Um, yeah, no, my apprenticeship was six years to go back to that. Uh, and most people, like it's like six months or two years or so, so you had like a that. really long apprenticeship, basically. Yeah. Well, the idea there was that, like, they don't charge you, so you're getting this free apprenticeship, so you have to give back to the shop for X amount of years. It's a pretty good system, honestly. Yeah. That's a really long time for people to commit, and it's really hard for them to find good, you know, northern Minnesota good artists who are committed, who fit into the culture, society, whatever environment. And then on top of that, like, do tattoo We're shops gonna stick ever, around for six like, years. Do ta ta tattoo shops like that ever 
go out and just go to like art shows and f- just look for artists specifically who aren't necessarily tattooing yet just to bring them I've up. I've heard of things like that when I was there and we were looking for somebody to replace me because I told them I was moving out of state um, at the end of my six years I was done with Minnesota winters it was too much for me <laughs> um, yeah. straight up that was pretty much it honestly I liked my environment my boss was super cool like he was really awesome I really liked that dude um, I like most of the people I worked with over the years and like, it was a good environment. It was fun. Um, I was really comfortable there most of the time and I, I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't take the stupid winters anymore. I was getting, it, it was dumb. Like I, I went through the winter in Minnesota where it was like pipes were exploding because the frost line dropped like three extra feet. From six feet to nine feet or whatever it was. Just wow. some, some beat. Yeah, dude, it was just like people didn't know that could happen. It was like, it was just like, I have to leave. I'm sorry. I'm done. This is too much. It just, this doesn't happen in the mountains in Montana. And then I could have a mountain view. And if this is going to happen, I'm going to have a mountain view while this happens. This is stupid. <laughs> I'm going to cut down my own trees and I'm going to live out here. So yeah, no, it was too much. Um, hmm. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to go back to is you were, t- we were talking about flash and you said that there was basically three types of tattoos. And I'm assuming one is flash. The opposite end is like extremely customized, but w- what were those other two, two levels? Oh, that, sorry. Yeah. I got, like, I get, I get sidetracked way too easy. No worries. Okay. So you have flash. That's the, the general basis of things back in the day where you come in, you, you have your product, you're allowed to buy what's on the wall if you don't like it, go away. There's no one else to tattoo you. So, hmm. sucks to be you. So, you get what you get. Um, then there was the second era of custom tattoos where they were like, the wall said, custom tattoos. Like, we don't want to do flash anymore. And I want to say that started in the 80s or 90s, something like that. I know in the 90s for sure. I have videos of my boss and he's like 20. He was he was like twenty years old, uh, something like that, and early early twenties, and he's doing custom tattoos. It was a whole era. He told me about it, um, and I have video evidence. <laughs> and uh, they uh, that that was the big thing, and that was sort of like after the fine line thing. With the fine line thing, I think was still in the flash era. Maybe people are doing custom stuff, and you started seeing people doing like. You know, I draw it on the skin so it fits your skin. That's a gimmick. That's that's mm-hmm. BS. I remember people being like, yeah, if the guy doesn't draw it on your skin, like, he's not good. I was like, or he's guessing a lot. I'm like, being able to actually pre-calculate light, things like that, etc. For the set of body that I'm actually working on is a lot more powerful of a tool than me guessing my way through and drawing it on. I remember I was, at a, I was in Keystone, Colorado at a tattoo convention and there was a guy and I asked, I asked him a, que- a simple question. I was like, oh, so what's your process? What do you do? And he's like, oh, you know, like I, uh, you know, draw it on their skin and blah, blah. I was like, oh, how long do you take on that? And he's like, you know, like three hours. I was like, oh, wow. That's a giant waste of time. Uh, I was like, so why don't you, I didn't say it to him, but I was like, I give him a look like that. And he, he got it. And I was like, so why don't you draw it beforehand? And he got really defensive, but you know, it's me in my face. So. And he goes, he's like, he's like, well, I got kids, man, and a wife. Like, I don't have time to pre-draw stuff. Like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he's making all these excuses. I was like, well, you spent 
three hours drawing on the person. You just yeah. admitted that. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, this thing's all wonky and warped because you drew it on a warped surface. Like, if you draw it on a piece of paper for a warped surface that you've already pre-calculated because you took to took a structural drawing like you want a huge secret of the industry take uh saran wrap not actual saran wrap you take the the cling wrap and it sticks to human skin perfectly and draw the muscle structures that you're working on pull it off and you're like oh look at that (laughs) i got a uv map holy shit i I could make a video game you know like i could i could i could i could draw on 3d models now like it's the same it's the same skill set as doing a uv map and if you don't know what a uv map or you don't understand what i just said you should probably go look it up because it would change your life if you do this so you you make a uv map of them you pull it off it's all flat and you know that this flat surface will almost perfectly fit their skin right there in front of you and so i would draw my stuff that way uh based on their muscle structure and then you know taking their muscle lines and trying to kind of flow like the piece and what was this thing doing whatever dumb idea they had and uh then when i stuck it back on it would fit and, and you know people who worked with me were like wow i can't believe it like how do you get things to flow so well why does this work this way like i don't get it like oh it's so hard because they're drawing on a square piece of paper trying to imagine what the the wrap around their skin is and sticking it on and being Mm. like well i spent like you know 10 hours working on this i'm just gonna force this to work (laughs) you know (laughs) like with no malleability i'm like uh this is such a bad way to make a product like it's not that hard, dude. Like, you know, and I mean, I, I would, I would tell people this stuff all the time. Nobody, nobody ever listens to me. I, I think it's insane. And maybe I'm the crazy person. I mean, that's always an option yep. too. Yep. You're the crazy one. Well, everyone's going to get to listen to you now. The whole, I don't know, podcast number two for a new podcast going to have like what? Five people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never know. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You don't. Yep. I could say provocative things for too many people to hear it. And you're like, <laughs> why do I have 5,000 views? And people are like, we hate you in the sky. <laughs> yeah. So, so that the, 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 the draw it on the skin, custom tattoos. I'm assuming that's the second of the three that you were yeah. talking about. Yeah. So there's a whole third era there. I have to go to the bathroom really bad. Dude. <laughs> I drank so much coffee today. Okay, go, go. Can you cut this all out? I can, or maybe I'll just leave it in here and embarrass you. <laughs> you could, yeah, I don't care. I'm not embarrassed about man it. With ti- pees. Man with tiny bladder. Everybody pees. <laughs> so what I'm going to ask him about when he gets back here um, is how the, if, if you could almost consider these like waves of tattoo, I mean, I feel like you hear about a lot of different waves and a lot of different uh different areas like uh, for me i i think of ska you know I, I always ended up listening to a lot of uh, third wave ska um and that's used to describe a, a lot of different um a lot of different industries to say when you know when, when something significantly changes you, you have a wave and it kind of sounds like that's what he's getting at here um so i'll just ask him since he's back now would you consider like each of the like you're talking about these three different kinds of tattoos um would you consider each of them like a different like wave 
of ten, like you know like third wave. Yeah, the generational. Yeah. yeah, the generational. So you had you had all of these people like walking into a shop, especially like started with sailors, right? So you have all these sailors come into the shop and they are just trying to get stuff. So like there's this great story uh, we were told. Uh, I think it was a Nolan story. And <laughs> so, so these sailors get off a boat, right? All like, like hundreds of them. And they're all standing in line for the tattoo shop that's by the pier. And uh, they, you know, they come in the door and there's like all this flash over the wall and they're all each individual piece is framed. And it's, you know, like a, a girl, you know, like holding a coconut or whatever <laughs> stupid BS they were doing back then. Or a guy throwing a grenade and Japanese people exploding. Like whatever was the time piece. Like that's yeah. about the time period, ironically. Yeah. Sounds bad, but it is what it is. Um, and so you have all these weird pieces everywhere. Uh, I was in Honolulu. Hi, mom. You know, all these stupid stuff. <laughs> and, and, and sorry, I'm just like going through all these images in my head of things I've seen that I'm just like ridiculous Cringing crap over, on these yeah. walls. I, I don't even know if it's cringy. It's just, it just is what it is. I mean, like it's almost unintelligible to me. Like it's like it's a whole other era I just don't get at all. But my brain doesn't work this way. Uh, so so they come in and they pick these frames off the wall and then they sit down. And then, you know, when you, your number's called or however their system was, you walk up and the uh, owner's wife would be standing at the counter and you'd give her your $2 or $1 or $3 or whatever your tattoo was, somewhere between $1 to $3, which is a terrible difference at this time. But I don't know because I <laughs> was born in 87. So yeah. what do you want? So, <laughs> so... Uh, they give the money and then they take the picture with them. As far as I know, they take the, this. I was told to me, they take the picture with them and then they sit down in booth one and it's a wooden bench that like goes all the way across the room. Okay. Wooden bench. And the guy sits down and the tattooer's there and he's like, what you want? Uh, okay. And he's got the thing. And he does the outline, all the black pieces, just the black. And he dips his hand in this bucket of brown crap and washes it off when you're done. And then you get up and you walk to the next guy. And that guy does like the black shading. Oh, man. Yeah. And then he puts his 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 uh, sponge in a bucket of brown fluid and then washes you off. And you go to the next guy. And, <laughs> and that guy's got the colors for it. And he might have a couple machines set up. And <laughs> he colors your tattoo and oh, he washes you off goodness. with this bucket of brown... <laughs> brownish oh red stuff <laughs> well you're sitting bad. on this nice red porous <laughs> bench yeah and then you leave and hope you don't die from tetanus or something oh my god <laughs> or not tetanus that's not realistic uh hepatitis probably be the biggest <laughs> thing if, if hepatitis c was out around then that's that's maybe that's shit. why <laughs> yeah i don't know what exact blood diseases were prevalent then but wow that's terrifying yikes yeah and they wouldn't change the needles i want to say the recommended changing time was 13 hours based on those stress tests <laughs> if we want to be nice about it uh 13 hours yeah, i don't look kindly on that era uh for many reasons people are like why do footballers i was like 13 hours is when your needles get so dull that they don't really put pigment in and the consumer comes back the next day and is mad <laughs> you know <laughs> because it's not healed yet and they can tell you did a really bad job so every 13 hours it's recommended to change your needles out when you're doing janky tattoos on a pier on sailors you're never gonna Thanks. see again 
Yikes. 13 hours. That's that's your that's your goal. Uh, and that's using old stuff, not hardened steel like we use nowadays. You probably to- stretch that way longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, realistically. Um, I don't know, if you're not using hardened steel, you're stupid. Just saying. So how many of the, of the three categories did you have in your shop? I, I know that you like. Oh, three categories. Like, so, yeah, I think you like get away so, from it. But yeah. So um, you have your flash people. Then you have your quote unquote custom art. So this yeah. is like category two. This is where it gets controversial. Um, so the category two custom art thing is kind of a fallacy in its own sense. So we would have people come in and be like, I want a dragon on my back. And then they'd be like, what kind of dragon? And you'd be like, a dragon. I don't care. You're supposed to be the best tattooer in the whole lands because that's <laughs> what all my friends told me. Uh, Cause I've never left four miles from here. And they'd be like, okay, well I didn't know what kind of dragon you want. Cause there's lots of dragons. So can you get me some, you know, reference material mm-hmm. it's a real story if you can't tell and they come back with their reference material for a dragon that you force them to go look up that they didn't want to and they found some random crap they didn't really want and then you trace that off and stick it on them line for line that's custom art so in the tattoo custom world. is in quotes here custom is mtg art that stands for magic the gathering for you know, the boomers <laughs> and you're going to steal and cut, you know, just, just trace their crap off and stick it on people and then try to do the worst rendition of that possible because you're terrible and you don't understand how light works and you didn't go to art school and even have, you know, maybe one year of education in art. Cause you know, light's really hard and shape is difficult. Uh, and this is me being really like critical and angry, but no, for real, like it's really sad that people can't do that mm-hmm. stuff. That's like really basic things. <laughs> it's really, it's really <laughs> sad. There's a dude, uh, there's a dude and, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. I quote him, but I can't. Um, he's in, uh, he's in Denver and he's like, I feel like everyone in the tattoo world, like as a tattooer should at least have, you know, the basic skills. You don't have to actually go to art school, but have at least, at least a one year education in art or be able to perform a first year art, to, you know, art, art thing. And I'm like in college and I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds fair. I was like, so like when I'm low balling that a bit. And dude, he got flamed by so many people. There's like hundreds of people like angry at him. And I was like, y'all whenever suck. I think of bad tattoos, <laughs> there's uh, and I'm sure you've seen this, this video, but there, there's the guy who gets the Angelina Jolie tattoo and he has like the big reveal with like the, 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 the I don't know what it is. The foam. Is he like a Mexican looking guy? Back. And he looks like really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and he's just like, he's worst. like. The worst oh, Angelina fuck. Jolie Tomb Raider <laughs> yeah. is like, oh my lord, like, wow. Well, and like, you could have traced it off. Like, you didn't have to, <laughs> you know, like, you could have just taken a photo and traced it. Yeah. It's called Thermofax. We've been using them for like 80 years, 60, 60, 60, 70 years, at least 60 years. Mm-hmm. That's not right. I think since the 60s. Yeah, we got to be at least 60 years into that. I could be wrong, but I'm going to say 50, 60 years. Like you've had the technology to not be that dumb. (laughs) So to to like not have to do that. So this third, this third wave or third generation 
Um, okay, so more next what, wave, more yeah, what you're in line with, and so God, this, and this takes is so kind long of to get to this, this is kind of what I was wanting to to kind of get towards on this is somebody comes in and says, "I want a sleeve," let's say, um, okay. but they're not sure exactly what they want on that sleeve. How how do you how would you work with that person? Oh, that happens all the time, and like. And they want custom, like they want legit custom art, like you're. Yeah, no, they want artwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this this is wave three. So they want artwork, and the first question is, why do you want me to do it? And if they're like, ah, (laughs) you're kind of like Bobby said, you're good. (laughs) Well, did, did then then the question too, I guess, is like. Did your friend send you to me? Do you know someone? Have you seen my work? Do you know who I am? And they're like, well, I read a Google review and it said you're really good. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you like? And then they show me pictures on their phone and I'm like, you should not be in my shop. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be a dick or anything, but like, I'm very good at doing tribal. I'm ridiculous. I'm like really good at doing tribal. I, I was trained, violently trained into it, like for a reason, because it's such a fundamental basic. And in the environment I was in recently, nobody else was. I mean, like way above my competition, but I don't want to fill in black anymore. I don't care. It's not it's not interesting to me. I don't want to do it. They're like, well, is my money not worth anything? It's like, hey, your money's worth tons of stuff. And like, you're just not going to pay me $250 an hour to do this. Mm-hmm. that much money i was like that's what would it take me to stop like doing animation right now to to come over here and do that because there's a lot of companies would pay me 250 an hour right now to do the animation instead of working on you that's what you're competing with to do this so in order for me to actually want to do artwork on you at the level i can do it that i've trained for a oh well like two decades into is for me to compensate you at 150, 175 an hour, give or take, depending on the environment. So that I'm not going to do garbage. So, so that this is an answer question. Does that include when you're, when you're concepting? No, or is that the actual, okay. So I, I go off the whole thing. Like Nolan did this and, uh, Brian did it too. Uh, I did, I always did all the pre-work, everything, all that stuff was free. Okay. So some, so someone like, comes into your shop and says, uh, I want, I came over here because I've been looking around at the different studios. I've looked at the different artists. I like the detail and the way you shade. Um, I, I, I like your, your basic approach and the fact that you're willing to work with me. Um, but I still don't have a good idea of what I want to do. How do you work? Are you, how do you work with that person? Okay, well, you have to give me a scenario. What do you want? Like a, a sleeve. Someone comes in and says they want a sleeve. Um, okay, what kind of artwork do you like? Dragons. Dragons. Japanese dragons or European dragons or like maybe South Smaug. American? Smaug. Smaug. Okay, so European. Uh, Smaug like Smaug from the original illustrated book from the early 1900s or 80s or from the movie? From the movie. That was recent. I'm, I'm making it as up as I go Smaug. Here. Okay. Are you tied to the actual 
skull structure of that or do like more of like a european dragon because that's kind of like a weird mixture between japanese in my opinion skull yeah, structure i really like and Smoke, european. um actually because he was yeah I, I i i've never thought about breaking it down between those two kinds of dragons but i see what you mean um and yeah the it's mi- kind of a weird mix yeah it's fun well and i and i liked watch i don't know if you saw any of the behind the scenes on that with benedict cumberbatch acting as Smoke. i have that Dude, I have is, so many books on it. It's ridiculous. It's it was great watching him um, act that out. It was fantastic. Um, but uh, so when when someone comes into you and says that you're looking for more exactly what kind of piece of art they want as opposed. No, I mean like the conversation we just had. We mm-hmm. started talking about Cumberbatch. I didn't. I can keep going with it because we're doing a podcast, and I'm not going to do spog on your arm unless you really want me to. Um, <laughs> No, but that's actually, that's natural. That's what the conversation is like when you have the conversation with me. I want to know why you want this thing, why it's important to you. What do you actually want? And even if you don't know, you do know on some level. And it's very easy for me for some reason. I don't know why I can do it. Other people have a struggle with it. I can pull that out of you. Mm -hmm. What do you really like? And so like, I'll sit down. I mean, people, I I have reviews on Google that people are like, Mm -hmm. they're like, this guy sat down for five hours. He, you know, and like, I didn't have an appointment. So I, I I plan for this stuff, but you know, I'll, I'll spend, I'll spend hours with people looking through images on Google, researching, plotting stuff out, showing them how their body structure works, what will work, what won't work. A lot of people come in and they go, and they have this, uh, there's this old term where, um, in the custom days where they'd be like, oh, they have like 20 pounds of shit in a 10 pound bag or a five pound bag or whatever pound bag you want for, to accumulate how much crap that they came in with. That's impossible. And I mean, I have some hilarious stories of this shit where like, uh, Johnny, Johnny told me a story of this guy. He has a paper somewhere in his house. He wrote the whole thing down. He's his most, insane. it's, it's the most insane shit I've ever heard. And this guy was like, he wanted a back. He wanted a piece. Sorry. He wanted to, it should have been a back piece, but he wanted a piece with like, uh, a skull and it's got its eyes, but the eyes are like both eyes are serpents. And then they're like holding gems and inside the gems, there's like the reflection of a fire in a house. And then inside of that, there's like <laughs> this person screaming. And then inside of that person's eyes, there's another dragon. And then they're like <laughs> fighting each other. And then inside of that, it's his kids and his wife. And they're like high fiving each other. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> You couldn't make this a billboard and make this visible. Like, that doesn't even make sense. And it's hilarious. But that's the thing is that, like, that comes in all the time. Like, stuff that's just so ridiculously unrealistic. But because people have – our brains are holographic. In our minds, we see things holographically where they're they're these – they're not even three-dimensional space. They're they're sort of like this fourth or fifth-dimensional space, especially in that case. That's fifth-dimensional space thinking where the guy is – he's seeing it in 3D, but he's also seeing like this movie played out in four and five dimensions where he's thinking like backwards and forwards while going forwards in the 3D dimension. You know Mm. what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. Like there's so many different things and a lot of people will describe images to us in a holographic like fourth dimensional space where – it's from the front angle, but also the back. I remember Johnny had this problem where he had taken down all his notes from this lady. And he said, yeah, that sounds doable, whatever, because he could imagine it in his head. And he went and he kept drawing it and he spent like days and days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks or whatever it was 
drawing this thing over and over and over and it just didn't work. It didn't make sense. And he realized at one point that he was like, this lady's trying to get me to draw this from the front back angle. Like you can't, <laughs> can't make a two dimensional yeah. drawing from the front back. You can't see it from two angles. You can't see it from over here and over here at the same time. And she wanted all of this weird, bizarre stuff that just wasn't going to happen. Um, but in both his and her mind, they saw it that way. And uh, that's Rob Carter who quoted the, the holographic thing. Uh, I'll give him credit for that for sure. Yeah, he he was like, well, people see things for ho- in, in their holographic mind. And I'd always described it in this fourth dimensional space and people hadn't really understood what I was saying. But um, that hologram where you see it from both perspectives, like everybody can do that. Like you can, you should be able to think about like, you know, any image you can imagine a flower or a a person standing and in your mind, you should be able to think like of what that person looks from at, from in front and behind kind of at the same time, you should be able to kind of just whether you in your head. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it looks like from behind and back, but you can't do that with your eyes and you can't do that with a picture. But yeah. in your head, you can. And so people come up with these crazy, complex, fourth, fifth, sixth dimensional concepts, you know? Do you ever and, handle that by, you know, by using, like, both sides of the body? You can. Yes, you actually can do that. Um, I did an experiment where I had someone who came up with a fourth, fifth, sixth, something insane dimensional concept, whatever. However, I, I honestly don't know how, like, people like to define those things. I've heard so much, you know, banter on it. But yeah. Um, I had a kid who I was working on who I never got to finish. Uh, he was a Dragon Ball Z piece and he had Goku fighting Vegeta on his back. And then in the background, we were planning on doing like Cell and like Trunks fighting, I want to say for people who like that lore. I don't know the Um, names, but I'm Yeah, they're just heroes. They're just, they're just fantasy heroes basically characters and they're flying in the air and they're like fighting i just don't know the characters so yeah it's just it's just you know epic fantasy characters is effectively what it is so these dudes he's fighting with a sword and he's fighting this guy in the air and then you're seeing like this epic combat in the front and then when he turns around what i was what i was starting to do was on his sides you actually had all these ruined buildings because like that's the whole thing they're like these godlike characters that are like destroying you know all the terrain around them yeah um and not caring about the people. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and so I was like, well, we'll put two buildings on the side or a crater and a building or whatever. And then we'll have it. So like, as you spin the buildings, like warp and then warp around. So no matter what angle you're looking at it from, they all make sense. And then from the chest and the back piece, um, you see these two guys on the forefront fighting. And then when you turn around and you see the other two guys on the lower side, and then when you turn around, they can never see those two guys ever because of the arm and everything. And then as you turn the body, the, the other two guys are in the background again. And then these guys are in the foreground. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's Yeah, it's, It's a weird, it's a weird concept, but it actually works. Um, so that was the first, that was the first iteration of it. Oh, so, to 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 answer the the one two and three that's actually the fourth wave of concepts and tattoos that I've discovered. So the first one is your your, your general flash, right? Second one is custom artwork, which is so generally not actually custom. I mean, wouldn't, it's traced. Wouldn't, wouldn't like old school, like like literally like the tribal tattoo would 
wouldn't that be first wave? And so like your flash. Like, well, and this is this is just me talking about American culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, mean, like so you could I'm you curious. could try to define this stuff as like a paleontologist or, or anthropology or whatever it is. Um, I'm terrible these words. Um, you could, yeah, you could look at it that way. Like tribal was the first thing, and then like maybe your second wave of tribal was like fantasy tribal, which took place in um like what is it like uh. West Russia, Finland area uh, where they're doing fantasy characters and tribal mm-hmm. stuff. That's the first time that people have seen that happen. And you have all these different cultures around the world during like just doing just basic black. And then the Japanese culture was, as far as I know, was the first ones to actually really get color. And then like early American stuff was color. And then you get into tribal work or sorry, into, um, well, God, this, see, this gets really complicated when you look <laughs> at it this way. Yeah. Because, okay, so in like the 1750s, uh, Suikoden, uh, or the water margin in, uh, English was translated into Japanese from Chinese. I don't know how to say the chat Chinese word very well. I'm even going to try, but that direct translation is the water margin or heroes of the water marsh is another way of translating it. That was translated into a book called Suikoden, which means the same thing effectively. And Suikoden was huge. Like it blew up in Japan. Okay. The book was just amazing. And people were like, Oh my God, so cool. And it was big fat 1750s. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but it was about that era. Uh, I know it was about that era. And so it blows up. There's an artist there. He's like, Oh man, I love this book. I'm so inspired. I'm going to draw all the characters. So he draws all 108 characters from the book, which made the book really unique. Cause what the hell book has 108 characters? You know how hard it is to keep track of that? Yeah. I'm reading through the Water Marsh right now. It's a four-book series. It's really freaking difficult to keep track of all the characters. Lou Dao's shit, just saying. <laughs> just, I, my favorite. Um, no <laughs> uh, it's really hard, too, to say Lou Dao like, in like an English accent. It's like the guy I listen to a podcast, and this Chinese guy is like saying it, and he's like, Lou Dao. <laughs> you know, like, that's how I hear it in my head. So when I say it, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. It's like Lou Dao, or like, I don't know how he says it. I don't know. I'm terrible with Chinese. It's, it's such a, it's a, it's a dialect I can't do. I can do some fun Swedish and stuff, but, uh, and Finnish, but yeah. Anyway, that's how I hear it. It's like some actual guy from China saying it in my head. That's how I hear mm-hmm. it. I just can't say it. I suck at that. So Ludao is great. But um, so the heroes of the water marsh, big deal. China, bam, 1750s, 80s, whatever. Like everybody loves it. So he illustrates the whole book because, I mean, legit, it's a good, it's a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little fucked up, but it's a pretty good book. And um, he it illustrates all 108 characters and then uh, everybody starts buying them. And he decided to do them in the old woodblock prints from what I understand. And so that they were mass producible because it's 1750s, right? Yeah. So he mass produces these things in old woodblock prints. God, he must have put a lot of work into it. Yeah. And they're yeah. selling like hotcakes, right? These, this is a classic. Everybody loves the book. Now they can have their favorite character on their wall. All the girls have the dude and, you know, the guys have the <laughs> girl the two girl characters and you know like it's a big deal and uh although the one girl character she's pretty bomb and um <laughs> the, the i think they technically count the lady who's like the cannibal lady but like the lady who's the horseback lady i can't remember her name she's pretty, pretty awesome um and so <laughs> she's like pretty far in the book though so uh 
He illustrates all of them. And then people start getting these tattooed on them in the old woodblock print. And I think they were kind of shifting out of that or possibly like ready to do that. Uh, but because he did that, they were like, oh, you're doing an old woodblock thing. And it was really large prints that were translatable to tattoos. So people got them like sort of getting a tattooed and that solidified like Japanese, like what traditional tattooing is because that happened mm. from like the 1750s to like the 1900s. It wasn't until like the, what the 1980s or nineties, two thousands that people were like, well, we don't have to do this old art form. that's hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years old. There was hundreds of, you know, like those old when it was started, you know, so, as far as I know, that's about so when you're talking about the three categories, you're talking about the the three waves of essentially America tattooing, American tattooing, and then well, and that's custom that, tattooing. World, that's phase two. At least two that it sounds like. Well, well, it, well it's, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to, to categorize. So you have traditional tribal stuff, right? That yeah. had symbolic meaning. So you have like yep. Polynesian stuff. You mm-hmm. have like stuff in Africa and uh, stuff in like Russia or wherever uh, you have these really basic tattoos that had really, you know, you know, spiritual meanings and stuff. People weren't doing it for fun as far as we know, but I mean, like how would we possibly know yeah. we do it for fun? Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? So, I mean, I'm just saying they're still humans. So it's not like they're different than us. People like to pretend they are, but they're not. Um, then you have, uh, I say Polynesian is probably like, Let's say like, let's call it like the basic tribal tattoos for like, I was a warrior. I earned a mark on my arm. Let's call that one. So like phase two would be you have Polynesian stuff where they're like, oh, or the uh, Russian, East Russian, whatever, Finnish area where they were like, you know, their ancient gods were tattooed on them like goats with 20 heads or whatever. <laughs> that, that was seriously, that was the thing in Russia where they like, they found a person who was frozen with like six headed goat or something. Wow. Weird. Yeah, and then you have in Polynesia, you're like, oh, okay, well, like you get a tattoo of a uh, a turtle because you're slow and fat, and we hate you. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why they do things. Or you know, Rick, he's great at swimming, so he's gonna get an eel because you know he's super fast and you suck. <laughs> so you're a turtle guy, and he's awesome. <laughs> but at least you're really resilient, you know, because your skin's super hard and you have bad hygiene. Like, Give him I the don't sandwich. Know. Give him the sandwich. They're good, the bad, and they're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. And so I have no idea why the culture did what they did. I'm just making random crap up. Yeah. So you have that, and then you have later on. I I know Japanese people are doing like um like marks on their faces, like you know probably kanji. There was like prisoner and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then later on, those were covered up. And then later on, those became um like those big large pieces in the 1750s. And those large pieces ended up kind of actually translating into our large pieces. Um, and then we did the flash thing. So if you want to call that phase four, I guess we we did the marketing thing. And then you have the large scale pieces come up later on their culture and our culture in these like weird hundreds of years apart bisecting thing. Um, and you have the custom tattoos. Now the custom tattoo thing is weird because there were some people, there were people in that era of the custom, the original custom tattoo era that were doing like hand drawn things. My dude, my boss was doing some crazy shit. Like he, 
I do. I saw drawings he did. He do like full color studies, like incredibly unique pieces, like amazing stuff. And I remember it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> Not really, but it was the worst day of my life. He told me I was like, well, why don't you do that anymore? Like, you know, I was really getting into it and like going whole hog on the whole thing. And he's like, I was like, why don't you like, you know, why don't you color your pieces anymore? Like, like do what you did or like do this artwork, you know, like what the hell? And he goes, well, I realized one day he goes, if I trace this off, no one cares. If I drop for like a crazy custom piece and I spend a hundred hours and I color the thing, no one cares. They can't tell the difference and they don't care. And he goes, if I trace this off, they're very happy that I gave them exactly what they asked for. Hmm. And he goes, because no one cares. And it was the saddest thing I've ever heard. I, I swear to God, I wanted to cry. It was the, so, well, right. I so mean, sad. Tattoos are supposed to be pretty, pretty personal things. They should be. They should be extremely is, personal. Yeah. And then for an artist who, I mean, dude, Brian poured like, he poured, I saw the pieces he did. He poured so much into them. And these people spit on him. It was horrible what they did to him. And they just, it was just, they, it was just generic crap to him. They didn't care. And he was disheartened. And he didn't realize that there was thousands of people who did care, who would care. People who weren't born yet who would care. People like me, mm-hmm. like who I was like two when this happened to him. And I cared a lot, a really lot. And he just started tracing stuff. And, uh, it was very rare for me to see him actually really like artistically express himself the way he was in the early days from when I'd seen early stuff. And it was horrible. I hated people for it. I hated the consumer market. I hated the consumers for doing that to somebody, somebody who was such a, just a violently raw force, you know, a ta- just of talent, just an, an amazing artist. And they just crushed him. I was like, you people are bastards. Yeah. And I really hated the consumer market for that for a long time. Um, I was disappointed in him for letting them do that to him. I hated them for doing that to him. And I mean, he was my hero, you know, it was horrible uh, to see that up close. I mean, that wasn't cool. And Is that when you were apprenticing. Yeah, that was probably, Yeah, I mean, most people wouldn't, people wouldn't have comp- con- considered me an apprentice by then. I was in my fourth or fifth year, but Still um, early. Yeah, it was early on and I was I was pretty mad about the whole situation. I was mad at him and I was mad at them. And I started asking questions like, why did this happen? Why did they do this to the artist? Why did the artist feel this way? How do we prevent this from happening to people in the future? How do I stop this from happening to me? Yeah. And um, so you have your flash, you have your custom art, quote unquote. And custom art to me became this, let's trace everything off. You know, you bring me a picture, I'll custom, custom draw it. And there are extremely, extremely limited tattooers who could actually draw. I don't know Nolan's techniques or what he was doing or how he was doing it. But from what I saw, it looked like he was doing a lot of his own actual drawing and really spending a lot of time on his pieces. But I don't know. I actually so when it comes to, to his process. When it comes to the the you know these custom tracing pieces we'll call it how do you how how does the industry handle that as a whole for like uh, let's say i walk in i walk into the store and i say i want uh uh, i guess it's las vegas now las vegas raiders logo tattooed on my chest 
That's uh, La- and, Las and, no, Vegas it's, it's, has the Raiders now. What's that? Las Vegas took the Raiders. Yeah, they're not no, they're not in Oakland anymore. They moved this last year. They have an amazing uh, new stadium down there. I can't wait uh, to okay. go. Um, anyways, anyways, really weird. That's just <laughs> yeah, weird to is, think about. Is. I'm not out in the like up it. and up. That's, I don't like it. That's weird. I wanted them to. They were looking around for a few years, and actually, I wanted them to go to San Antonio because you got the Spurs there as well. Um, okay. Raiders have always had a big Hispanic uh, following, and I think that would have been a good town because you got two silver and black teams. But um, really, Raiders had a Hispanic following. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, th- oh. they've got a they've got a really big because they're big. Uh, they're big in Oakland, but then they went down to to Los Angeles, and um, for a long time there wasn't many West Coast. They always felt like me to like this like weird amorphous team that like if you didn't have a team that was your team and like almost <laughs> everyone I know and like we grew up in Montana Raiders were the thing you know like most <laughs> well, people I mean, like the Raiders here because the, you know, the Raiders were like, the, they were like the only like West Coast team for a long time and so like before the Seahawks moved in like before the Seahawks yeah. were even a thing it, there was the Raiders and so a, that's why they're so big on the West Coast okay. and there's a lot of Hispanic culture on the West Coast um, well, yeah. So I think that's that's a big driver for that. It makes sense. Anyways, let's say I walk into your store and I say I want a Raiders, regardless of what city they're from, at any given time. Like okay. I want a Raiders logo on my chest, exactly the way that it shows up on the helmets. Um, how do you? How does the industry handle that from like a a legal standpoint of like? Co- oh, I, I don't no, know if it's copyright no, or trademark no, or. No, no, it's on your own body. You can't, you can't, um, they can't enforce that on somebody's own body. They don't own you. But the image, so, so no, yeah, the, like, they, like they, the it's person your body. who gets it, the person who gets it, I guess, is not what I'm asking about. Like, how do you, how would you handle that? Like, that's because- not our, oh yeah, yeah. So I, I don't remember the exact legal, like what the, what the whole ruling was. I want to say Disney tried to sue somebody because it's Disney and they're the worst <laughs> people ever. Yeah, they are. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was Disney, but, uh, and I could be wrong, you know, people can pee on me about that, but, um, I want to say, I really want to say it was Disney that was the first one that tried it. Um, they're the people who sued a, 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 a daycare in Florida for putting Disney characters on their wall. And then Warner Brothers paid to have a professional Warner Brothers artist come in and paint like their <laughs> characters on the wall just to slight them. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Disney sucks. So, um, so that have. So would that have come out like about that that particular case? Yeah, there was Wouldn't a there was, a, there was there's an actual we could Google it if you want, but there's there's an actual court case that it was literally ruled that like no, it's your skin. It doesn't matter if the tattoo artist put it on; that's not their problem. Mm-hmm. It's your skin. You are actively free advertising for your people okay. so they're insane if they're mad that you put the lo- their logo yeah. on your body there was a kid who got all of his college tuition paid because he put like chase bank on his forehead by chase bank i don't think it was chase i think it was visa it, it was some it was some yeah yeah i watched a documentary oh on it yeah it, it was it was it was a credit card company. I don't remember if it was Chase or Wells Fargo or who it was, but it was one of these big companies and he tattooed on his nuts. Face. Yeah, they paid for his college. Wow. I, I think he got it lasered off many, later from what I How many face did, but, tattoos have you ever done? Oh, that's a hard question. Um 
Because I know, I mean, tattoos are, you know, fairly common. Face tattoos are like a kind of a different level. Yeah, it's a sort of taboo thing. Um, so when I came into the industry, you didn't tattoo people's hands unless they already had sleeves because kids are dumb. And you didn't want to mark somebody permanently on their hands and like basically make them not be able to get a job. And it was your fault. You don't want them to come back and shoot you over it because, you know, they're dumb. Mm -hmm. It's like their fault, but they're going to blame you and you don't want to get stabbed or shot over something stupid. And like we dealt with people like that. That was legit. Um, We didn't have to deal with the thing with like locking people inside and beating the crap out of them to take their money like, you know, Bowery stuff. But um you know, there was still that caution there, like left over when I started. Uh, face tattoos, holy crap! Like, it would be very hard. A t- face tattoos are very difficult. Okay, they're very hard to do. It's very stressful. It's not. It's it's neck tattoos are hard. I'm very good at doing neck tattoos. I don't know why. I, I just, something clicks there. I just get the pressure that you need or whatever. I don't know skin type braiding thing I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Skin tattoos don't bother me. Uh, I have no problem like just grabbing your jaw and yanking your neck back until your skin is stretched to the proper portion and I'll work on you. Uh, <laughs> I'm very violent in that sense. I just don't have a problem with it. A lot of people are like, oh, you're going to stretch your neck more. I'm like, move. You know, like, <laughs> Sorry, this is going to hurt and you're going to pay for this. I mean, you're actually you are paying for it. You know, a lot of money, actually. Um. um so is it because of like the the oils in your face or just how how No, loose it's your face it's is, it's basically? so your your skin is your neck is really stretchy and your face it like trying to actually like if you take two hands and you actually try to like physically stretch somebody down and you yeah the skin has to be as tight as possible like a drum to actually tattoo it correctly. So like on a neck it's hard enough on most people, on right? So yeah. different people, different skin. It yeah. changes ethnicities change it too really drastically in ways that you would not expect on top of it and that that that'll throw you through a, through a, through a loop sure. tell you what but tattooing someone's face oh my god it's so stressful so my wife made me tattoo her eyebrows my grandma tried to get me to tattoo her eyebrows grandma judy yeah <laughs> yeah she didn't want to pay the hundreds of dollars the lady in town charges and she's like you could tell you my eyebrows and i was like yeah or i could not ever do that that sounds terrible i don't want to tell you my grandma's face because she's being I mean, this is dutch people for you man i was like holy crap i was like you really trust me that's crazy i was like i mean my wife made me do it and then like I was not okay with that. For eyebrows? Uh, yeah, it was not a comfortable experience tattooing her face. Your wife's face. Like, if I'd ever see you again and I'm in Vegas and something, I'm sure, whatever, I'm never going to see you. Good luck finding me. But, like, the lady who lives with you and has your kids, you know, like, that's... <laughs> that's or your grandma. Like, come on. Grandma. You know, yeah. The, so the simple statement of... My grandma asked me to give her a face tattoo is. <laughs> oh, dude, really, really stressful for me. And like, I'm a high artist type of person, is, I guess is what people would call me. Like, so this is the whole thing with like what I'm talking about here. And, you know, people are offended. I, I honestly, yeah, I don't care, but I really don't. <laughs> um, but, but the whole thing is, so you have the flash thing, right? Mm-hmm. Flash stuff is meant to make quick money. People are kind of come in, they're going to get it, they're going to go, and a lot of consumers want that. 
That's not necessarily a bad thing. It just is what it is. That's what they want. I don't want to do that. So then you have the custom tattoo. And this is where I find things to be getting, we're starting to get into sketchy territory here where you're not showing them like the face value. They think they're coming in with this idea that I'm going to get a custom thing that has a like a pretense to it. You trace off their dumb drawing, you stick it on them. Where I started to have, I didn't have a problem with that because that's what they wanted. Good for you. Custom means the internet. This is the early days of the internet, even in the early 2000s. Then we get to this era where we had a guy come in and he wants a back piece of a dragon and dude at my shop's like, oh yeah, like I could totally do that. Bring me a picture for a reference. He he <laughs> exactly <laughs> traces it off, reference. sticks it on him, and it's not a reference anymore. He just sticks it on him, and it's like, that's what it is. That's not okay. <laughs> like, he didn't want that. And he looked, dude, the guy comes in, and he looks so disappointed. He let him tattoo it on him and everything. He was just like, okay, well, you're the old master. Blah. And he tattoos it on him. And he looks so sad. And I was like, I never want to see that. And like, they were like, cool. You're cool with that? Guy's like, yeah, I guess. It's okay. And they were like, really thought they, they thought they were getting something special from like way back in the day when that dude was doing all the cool stuff, you know, that's what yeah. they wanted. And there was this big disconnect where like, that's what they thought they were getting and little did they know that the rest of the the consumer base beat that person to death and this is not one person this is like almost everybody over those years so i was like i don't want to be like that i don't want to do that i don't want to get to the point where i just trace crap off and stick it on people and um just cop out and so we went to colorado we switched environments and because of some people there, I thought there was going to be a better environment for this higher art kind of idea. So the third way of tattooing is what I consider it is in our culture, our culture. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, is where I thought it was going to be something more like where people came in and I would come up with a concept and we would work together and we'd find this thing that was special to them that worked and they wanted my art style or whatever. And there was this kind of merger of these two things because that's how it was always was where people would come in, they'd give me their ideas and I would like morph them into this cool tattoo. And I didn't trace stuff off. I just kind of drew stuff mm-hmm. and did what I wanted. It was very rare for me to like actually resort to tracing um, it wasn't really necessary. And so I would draw this thing and they'd be happy and I'd put it on. Maybe that's the third wave, I guess, technically. So then I started realizing that like the consumers, do, uh, this is after many, many years of study, almost a decade, you know, we're getting closer to that. Maybe actually 15 years of art study. And this is like 10 years of me doing art. And then like, you know, you know, six, seven years into tattooing on top of that professionally. And I'm like, there was this one day it hit me and I was like, the, these people don't know what they want. Like they don't know anything about art. Like they know that, well, they know, they know that they want, they know they want this feeling. They want this idea on their body. They want this, this, this concept. And that's okay. But they don't understand art. They don't understand light. They don't understand shadow. They don't understand form. I do now. I didn't before. I do now. I 
get it. I have these these ideas that that should be painted. Stuff like I had somebody offer me ten thousand dollars for the painting that I I posted up at the fucking <laughs> whiskey the place in town. You know, really? the the yeah the logo for my shop. Yeah, mm. the 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 troll. Yeah, um, and. I'm like, that's my logo for my shop. I'm not selling it to you because I need that like on a business level. Like I'm not going to sell you my, like my logo. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I'm not giving you legal rights. I, I could have wrote some paperwork up for it that I have still have legal rights to it. Blah, blah. It wasn't even a finished painting. I still didn't finish it. I still haven't finished it. I've been lazy about it. I just I got bored, you know, typical artist, but, um, I got offered a lot of money for some of those paintings and, there was something that started to click where it was kind of like, I can make artwork 10,000 times better than a non-trained person. Why would a non-trained person? And there was all these tattooers are always complaining about how like they could make these crazy things and this is how it should be. And that's how it should be. And they don't get that. Like the consumer is not a trained artist. You are. And the consumer does not get that. They are not a trained artist. It's not like reading a book. Everyone knows how to read. They don't necessarily know how to write a book, but they know how to read. They know the structures yeah. of a story. They're told stories their whole lives. They watch movies and it doesn't mean their opinions are that great, but like there's at least something there, but none of these people know how to draw. They don't know how to do art. And then you have the tattoo industry beating on them being like, you don't know shit. Like you can't tell us about this industry. And it's like, there's so many possibilities that like people don't have even begun to consider in the tattoo medium. Um, and, and I'm like, if I, if I actually, this is, this is the hard calculation for everybody. And this is like the sad part of like the whole podcast for any tattooers listening to us. This is the bullshit that like, this is not even bullshit. This is the, this is the sad truth. If you spend 50 hours or a hundred hours or 10 hours, whatever your skill level is at, or however much you give a crap about your project. If you spend that time designing a sleeve if I, if me personally to do a really competent sleeve, I should put in a 40 hour work week realistically, mm -hmm. which is going to yield if somebody chooses to purchase it and I can shift it to make it work on their muscle structure, which should be doable, more or less minor changes, you know, some redraws add an extra five hours or something. Um, maybe 10 in some extreme cases or weird things I don't prefer see, which is unusual for me. Um, I spend 40 hours working on that and then somebody actually buys it and then they pay me for the hours to complete it. There becomes this issue where I will get the line work done. It'll cost them so much money and then we'll do the shading. And if I do the whole, if they convince me to do the whole sleeve shading, there's a good chance I'll never finish the project. They already got Super cool looking line work. A lot of people have a hard time convincing them to even do the rest of the piece. They're like, it looks so cool. And I'm like, I like line work too, but I also like to finish my projects that I spent 40 hours. I didn't charge you for drawing 50 hours, some mm -hmm. cases. And then I spent like, and I mean, I'm abnormally fast with my line work and efficient with it. So like maybe three hours for the line work on the arm to actually produce it. And most people are like, well, was it really basic? That was really complicated work on top of it, mm -hmm. ironically. Um, and I crapped that out on them 
with some level of magic. I'm not exactly sure why I can do it that quickly. And it retains too, which is fascinating. Um, I think it's just efficiency level. That's a whole other podcast. Um, more of a more of a learning thing <laughs> for people who care, care about it. For non-consumers, it's a waste of time to listen to. Um, or sorry, yeah, for, for consumers, it's a waste of time. Non-consumers, it's probably really interesting. Um, they don't come back. Then I do another 40-hour piece. Convince someone to get it. Actually, really, and this is this best case scenario, 100% chance they're going to get it, but it's not going to happen. But so I get another one. I get the line work done. I get the shading done. That guy doesn't come back. Okay, great. Maybe he gets hit by a car. I don't know. That happened to me once. Um, Yikes. Yeah, no, yeah. One guy, a uh, 25-year-old had a car accident, or sorry, he had a heart attack in his sleep and died. I had a girl who was kicked out of the side of her, or out of her car from a girlfriend, uh, fiance or whatever, and murdered her. I uh, had uh, another dude get hit by a car uh, or no, sorry, a deer hit him. He like hit the middle of the road, shot out of his car and died. Something crazy like that. Um, I mean, that stuff happens, you know? And so none of those projects are coming back. <laughs> All that time I spent drawing those. That's, that's not so coming brutal. back. <laughs> well, it is, it is brutal and it sucks because like, I really cared about those people. Those people were, a handful of a very small handful of people who really cared about me and my artwork and what I was doing. And we were like working on this thing together. And it's the worst thing is that some of the best pieces I've ever done around people who are dead now. And they're the only people I feel like ever cared about what I did. And this vast majority of people don't, and they think they do, but they don't. And so, so, you get through this whole process. So then, then I started developing this thing uh, via what me and David had talked about during our painting sessions where what you do is you do your line work, you do this big long piece. And this is like the, like the, the full, the full fuckery of it uh, is, I don't even know if I'm allowed to swear in here. You're going to have to yeah, edit no, it. I don't want it on You're it. good. Uh, we're talking about tattoos. So you're 18 plus. Ah, um, <laughs> I, I was like, I, you know, I've been swearing a lot. Um, so, if I drew out a whole piece, right? So I had this idea for a Castlevania piece I thought would be fun where you have like Alucard and he's like slicing a vampire in half and you like see the vampire guy like splitting in half. He's like, ah, and it's a super brutal. And there's blood going everywhere. And it's just great sleever back piece, probably better for a back piece or like leg back torso leg piece, something super epic, right? Just absolutely violent and brutal i had one person hit me up on it they never came in and so i didn't draw it up now the thing is is that if i did draw that up even now there's a very good chance or even somebody listening to this if they drew that concept up it's very basic very simple but very interesting um they draw that up and then someone comes in and buys it what I found was that like, if you're working on a sleeve or a back piece and it's a very large piece, there's an expectation it's going to take multiple sessions. So I, t- I was able to take advantage of that at one point where I could do better and better works of, of, of art. But then I found that there's still this like acceptable level of completion that the consumer puts on it where they're like, I've put over X amount of dollars into this piece or X amount of sessions. Now it's assumed that it's X amount of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So if I spend $5,000 on a sleeve, that's pretty much the bar. If you spend more than five grand on a sleeve, most people are going to be like, you overpaid. Most people are going to say you overpaid at a grand, which you're stupid. That's just dumb. Like 2,500 should be a minimum. Like 
you just, you, there's the amount of time it takes to move your hand on the skin to fill an entire arm on an average person is $2,500. That's just a thing. And that's being lazy or boring. Like that's not interesting. If you can fit interesting, complicated work into a $2,500 piece, an average of $125 an hour, good for you. I mean, like you, <laughs> you did it. But like you can't make really good shit unless you hit the five or $7,000 mark. And this isn't like wasting people's time. I mean, there was a kid who like in our town who did this shitty mermaid outline on somebody's upper arm. And uh, she came in and we're talking to us about covering it up and she went somebody else, you know, and got like, it just colored in with this shitty blue. It was was terrible. Um, It was a good outline. The guy did a good job. Okay. Good outline, solid, looked okay, good detail. Took him five hours, $500 for this pretty basic outline. Mm-hmm. It would take me less than 35, 45 minutes to do the whole thing. Same quality or better. Hmm. And people are like, well, this guy only charges 100 an hour and you charge 150. And I'm like, cool. Well, you know, I had I, I this that's a real instance, and there's a even better example, actual thing that happened to me. I had a guy who had his kid's name on his forearm, and a guy at another shop in Minneapolis had done it, and uh, it cost him uh, like I think it was like oh man, he was four hours. It was like two hundred and fifty dollars, I think. No, 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 it was. It was four hours and three twenty-five. That yeah, that sounds about right. Four hours three twenty-five, and I was like, "That's weird." It's even less than a hundred dollars an hour. Like, eh. it was okay work. It wasn't too bad. I mean, it needed to be cleaned up. I wouldn't take me too long. That was my perspective, and I was trained correctly by actual people who knew what they're fucking doing. Uh, so I did his left arm, <laughs> and it took me forty-five minutes to do his other kids. Same size, same arm, whatever. Healed better. He came back a year later. Uh, healed better, and I charged him two fifty for it. He was ecstatic. Forty-five minutes for two hundred fifty dollars, and I was like, <laughs> I just went by the book, you know. Like on our, we have our flash, like we have like the flash, and we have what like old, that old English script was. I gave him the same script. I, I took the time to custom make the script, alter it, do whatever. Dude, I would have got fired over that kind of shit if I had given him the actual price that like was like whatever, 75 bucks, you know, like I would have killed for that. Oh my God, he would have, oh, he would have murdered me. And like, I remember like him showing my boss, my boss walked in after I did the tattoo and he's like, look what he did. And he's like, wow, that's, he's like, that's great. You know, how long did that take? He's like 45 minutes. And my my boss looked at me. He's like, how did you do that? I was like, all right. He's like, did you rush through it? I was like, no, I took my sweet ass time. He was like, I was just being efficient. He's like, okay. And oh no, yeah, no, 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 no. It wasn't when he first did. It was when he came back and it was completed. I'm thinking of a different story. He came back, that guy with arm piece, he showed it to him and he was like, yeah, it took 45 minutes and it was only $250. And he was so stoked about it. And uh, that was the healed version one. That was that guy. Uh, sorry. There's so many like same situations that happen. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, he was like, you charge that guy $250. I was like, the guy charged him like three, 400 for the other arm. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like, good job. He's like, you got a discount. Whoa, don't give people discounts like that. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, that happened a lot. There, there's a bunch don't of situations. There's a, yeah, there's a guy who did this, uh, this piece and, uh, I'd packed some just white, I'd packed white in, in a way that like you shouldn't be able to do. And, uh, this guy came in and he's complaining to my boss, telling him I did a shitty job and he wanted his money back. And he's like, how much did you pay for that? And, I, I just charged him for the hour. I shouldn't have, but I did. I charged him directly for the hour. And uh, my boss is like, yeah, you paid about half of her that. And I can't pack white that good. And he's like, what? And he's like, I've been doing this for as long as he's been alive. And that's unrealistic in one session. So you should take that and just go away. <laughs> like He's <laughs> like... And then I come in and he's like, how the hell did you pack the white like that? I was like, I don't know. You're good skin. <laughs> what do you want? So are, are you still, are you still doing any tattoos now? Like just like onesie twosies for people or is that something that's kind of. No, I haven't, I haven't done anything since uh, they shut my shop down um, last year. I just haven't felt like David. it. <laughs> Just have, yeah, have not felt like it. They shut my shop down. Rob stabbed me in the back. And so that other dude and I lost the whole business and I owe people lots of money and I got really mad about it. And my consumers like everywhere I go, they just, they don't care. They really don't like very rarely. That's the thing. Like some people who know me, if they ever see this, like they'll be like, well, I care. It's like, okay, yeah, you care. You're like. One in 20,000 people or whatever, you know, that I've tattooed over the, the last 12 years. I'm like, there's a handful of people who really let me like do something that mattered. Like Tyler, um, he let me do uh, a chess piece for him that was like really mattered to me personally a lot, actually. And he let me just kind of go on it. And I think it, it, worked, it worked for him. Um, there's a couple pieces, um, Rick's arm that, that was a huge breakout piece for me in a lot of ways. And there's a, there's a lot, there's a, there's a handful of people who have really trusted me to just be me. And those people kind of like made me realize how many other people do not care about what I do. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, and they say contrast. they. Yeah, well, they say they do. They're like, I just want like a custom piece from you. And I want just like whatever you're going to do. And then you do it and they're like, that's not what I want. I want the picture I brought in from Google. I want this exactly. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. Like, And they're like, what, my money's not good enough? And I'm like, well, if I have enough people who want to pay me for my own artwork, then yeah, no, it's not. I don't need your money. I don't actually have time for your money. I remember there was a point where I, I, I figured the scheme out where if uh, I charged my favorite customers 300 bucks uh, per session or 400 bucks a session, if they want to do a long one, I had like certain time slots. Like it was like uh, three, it, you, I was letting people do three hours for 300 bucks or four hours for, no, it was two hours. No, two, two for three was normal. It was, yeah. So normally it was 150 an hour. So I was giving my favorite customers or people with big sleeves only mm -hmm. um, and people that I was cherry picking, they would get 300 bucks for three hours. I work on you for a whole hour for free. And then if you did four, I would do like 450, I want to say. Mm -hmm. So you got still a which would normally have been 600, which is 150 off. Yeah. yeah. 
And so that was that was the gimmick. And um, but you had to make three appointments. You could cancel these appointments as long as you told me like a week in advance. You could cancel the appointment and I wouldn't be pissed off at you. And there wasn't whatever. But as long as you had those three appointments in your book and I based this off of a, a, an instance that happened to my buddy where he got booked out for like like almost like two years, something dumb um, where this had happened to him. Uh, and I was like artificially and I was like, what if I can like physically create this, like force this to happen? And so I started this little plan where this little plot where I can't take dumb walk ins doing lettering. I don't need to do like lettering is extremely 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 important for early like first five tattoo five years people to do mm-hmm. and like they're gonna mess it up you're probably gonna get some janky stuff but you want stupid lettering you don't actually want artwork so i don't feel that bad for you but <laughs> like it's really 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 important i've had to cover up so much lettering it's ridiculous so like i just don't i don't care um but they're like and if you're not going to seek out an artist who like really cares like uh what's his name big me's or whatever in california or San Francisco, some, some, somewhere on that, mm-hmm. that way, that direction, actually from my direction here, I'm pointing South West that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you're not going to go to somebody like that, who's like whole career revolves around, I mean, God damn this guy, he's a type, he's like a typographist or typographist. Is that how they say it? Um, typography master. Yeah. Typographer. Yeah. This dude is insane. And like, absolutely like this dude is the kind of guy who makes like new fonts and whatever. And like, I could have a whole career just selling stuff on word and, or for, for that format or people's signs or whatever, you know, like a truly like, you know, in his own way, like a very similar, like to those old masters that did the crazy scrolly letters and stuff. Interesting. And, and he does it on skin. Like I really respect his work. It's amazing. And I'm like, if you want to go that route and get that stuff, like go to someone like that or go to someone who wants to be like that and support that guy. Mm-hmm. But like when you come in and you see me doing, I'm actually oil painting on the other side of the counter because I need to do something artistic <laughs> and not kill myself from doing flash. Right. And you see me doing an oil painting of, of trolls, you know, floating in space and lightning coming out and of yeah then eyes. you realize that's what you're passionate why are you asking you should be asking for that instead of lettering yeah why are you asking me to do that you know like i got uh, oops i got in trouble i got in trouble well, i didn't get in trouble but i got bitched at at one point from one of the more senior artists to me uh earlier on in my cu- career because he had to take all the tribal and i wasn't taking it and i was considered like a first year second year kind of thing and he was like five in or whatever and um he was all mad and <laughs> He's like, well, Joel doesn't have anything in his portfolio. This is fair. And I'm like, you don't have to put it in your portfolio. Like your portfolio advertises what you want to do, not what you're capable of. Mm. And he's all like, it's still not fair. And I was like, I'm not putting tribal in there. Like I'll quit over it. Like (laughs) you could fire me and I'll be done with my apprenticeship and I'll move to Montana early. Like, I don't care. Like, what are you going to do? Like, oh no, I get to go home. <laughs> you know, like over something that's stupid. And my boss would never have done that. That would, that would be retarded. But, you know, he tried to make a big stink about it. And I'm like, take it out of your portfolio. Don't be dumb. But he didn't want to because he knew it was good money. No. It's also terrible, but, you know. And so that, that, was, that, that was the whole thing. Well, 
we are well past two hours. So yeah, we're two hours and 27 minutes on my count. Yeah, I think we're good. So thank you. Uh, this has been really interesting to Angry. hear you talk about tattoos. This is obviously Angry your world. Um, so thanks for sharing. Um, I'm sure I'll have you on again at some point. You can talk yeah. about something else or do one of those. Talk about video games. Podcasts. <laughs> the what? Talk about something else there. Yeah. But anyways, um, I'm assuming you don't do too much social media, especially around tattoos anymore. No, I don't do anything. Okay. No, I, at, I don't want to be promoted at all. I looked at your under the bridge tattoo uh, Twitter account. You should you should check the uh, <laughs> the email or the uh, the website that you have linked to that one because it's not tattoos anymore. Um, it's something Asian. Um, oh, it's it's bizarre. Um, but anyway, yeah, I I haven't I don't have anything connected up to that stuff anymore. That stuff like all like pretty much died yeah, with the whole COVID sure. thing. I just started disconnecting everything. I don't even know why that's even open. Um. All right. Yeah. Because I, mean, I don't have much to share either as far as social media. So, no, I mean, like, podcast. I don't <laughs> want to or care to be promoted. If I did, I would have done it a long time ago. I mean, there, there's, this, there's this guy who tattooed his hand and he was in, in the city. And, and this guy, where did you get that hand tattoo from? And he's like, oh, you know, up north, like an hour. He's like, there's no way. There's no way someone that close could do that. And like, I wouldn't know about it. And I was like, I literally did not promote myself at all. I don't care. I really <laughs> don't. I was very specifically fishing for very specific consumers who wanted a very specific product from me. And mass marketing doesn't work for it, for yeah. what I wanted to do. Definitely. And I don't know. At this point, I'm completely discouraged from it. Like tattooing sounds terrible. The medium where people don't want what I want. They don't want my type of artwork or my, not even my style, but like the approach to it. They don't want to actually put in the effort it takes to do a multi-layered painting style thing, which I didn't even get into, but like a really, really something that is like, this is probably going to look about the same for 50, 60 years. I'm pretty confident that that's very doable at this point hmm. without much of a hassle. Um, just based on the layering system tests I've done over these like decade or so. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm more into animation at this point. Okay. Well, that's my ramble. No worries. My angry, angry, angry art ramble. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, this art guy, he's crazy. I was like, yeah, I probably am. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about animation sometime then. Do it that way. <laughs> yeah. But. Anyways, you have a good night, and thanks for being on, and we'll talk to you later. Right. Night, dude.